1: what's up jason tatum here ball up wherever you are with nba 2k mobile playing game events to collect nba legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court download nba 2k mobile now on the app store and google play
0: hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the pick a Side podcast my name is joel moran and i'm here with river brown and this is now episode 115 In this episode, we are going to talk about the Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, the biggest games of week three, and then transition to basketball and talk about Ben Simmons, the Houston Rockets, Timberwolves flying Rosas, and the Pelicans front office. This is now episode 115, and Riv has finally grown comfortable in me saying his full government name he's not going by a river anymore he's going by <laughs> river brown so you got to give yourself an applause for that just for that <laughs> fact alone because you're finally growing up you're maturing you're getting used to people calling you by your government name
1: yeah i'm uh i feel like we're getting into that that new landscape of being professional so i gotta be a professional
0: man going into this episode i was i was really excited to talk about this episode i might have messed up this guy rose's last name it might be rojas roses You know how Spanish last names are, Mm. but I I walked into this episode super grateful because yesterday I was on my phone. I was on TikTok. I was because one of our TikToks went viral, a few of them actually, and OG, who we had on as a guest before on this podcast, duetted our TikTok and his duet got like 470K views. Shout out to OG. He got his own podcast podcast. Put that round of applause in right now. Round of applause for OG. And as I'm watching that duet, I kid you not, just the backstory on me and my personal life. I'm a Cancer. That's my Zodiac sign. I don't believe in Zodiacs too much, but
1: I do. You know what's crazy about this? Sorry to cut you off. My sister kind of guessed you were a Cancer, too. Why? Because um, she, she watched one of our videos, and she was like, "Who was the who was the boy that said that you always laugh in front of the... Um, before you talk. And I was like, oh, that's my friend, Joel. And she was like, he's a Cancer, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I could just tell by how he responded. I was just like, oh, well, all right, okay.
0: I don't believe in Zodiac <laughs> signs, but there' there's one thing about Cancer, the traits I think, uh, it you know, it fits me good, that we're sensitive and very we, we're very emotional. <laughs> and yesterday I saw the duet that OG made and I started to tear up. And I teared up because... Man, I just I just looked at it. I teared up. I saw the numbers the video did. I saw the numbers our videos did, and I was like, "Wow!" I would have never expected this a year ago. And I started to tear up a little bit. And you know, you can tell there's actually science, there's science behind this that you can tell by which eye you tear from first, whether it's sadness or joy. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure which side it is, but I'm pretty sure my tear was of joy. It definitely wasn't of sadness. <laughs> my tear was of joy. And I was like, man, I just I I appreciate everybody that tunes into this podcast and that supports in any way, whether you support on YouTube, on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, whatever you do. I mean, everything, it adds up and it means a lot because a year ago it, it wasn't like this. You know, we were just getting started. We were just growing in to see how far we've come in a short amount of time is is really great. And I hope this grows into something where we can be one of the biggest sports podcasts in in the world. You know, I think it can grow to that eventually one day. And you guys are going to be the reason for that. It's going to be you guys.
1: So you believe in Zodiac traits, but not Zodiac itself?
0: I believe in that specific trait to me. Mm, Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't don't believe in Zodiacs as a whole, I don't think. Because there's some things that they say about cancers that, I don't think it fits
1: me. Well, I know the one thing is you guys are sensitive and emotional. That's like every cancer I know. Like, very emotional, very in tune. What's your zodiac sign? Aries.
0: Aries? I don't know nothing about
1: Aries. Nonchalant. Takes everything as a joke. Doesn't really care much. So, you know, a little bit of me.
0: And because this podcast has been growing so much and it has gone to a place that I think it would have never gone to... We have sponsors and our sponsor, the Daily Stakes, they're going to help you guys with your betting needs, whether you're betting on football or MLB or whatever whatever sports you choose. They cover the UFC, NFL, NBA, MMA, you know, you name it. So because of that, we're going to slot them in right here. Little ad for the Daily Stakes. Shout out to them. Shout out to them for supporting us. And yeah, this is sponsored to you by the Daily Stakes. Most of the time when we bet, we aim for the stars, shoot for the dark and hope our bet turns out correct. When you sign up with The Daily Stakes, that won't be the case. The Daily Stakes provides you with the same analytics used by professional sports bettors and sports books to give you the edge you need. You will have access to model projections, key stats, and confidence ratings so you can be educated with the bet you are making and feel comfortable with it. The Daily Stakes covers the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and the UFC. Another awesome feature the Daily Stakes has is that they host weekly contests that give you a chance to win an authentic sports jersey. And all you have to do is answer games that are going to be happening that current week. There are three types of memberships. The sport card membership gives you access to one league of your choosing and the features mentioned before for $14.99 a month. The All Sports Plan gives you access to all leagues they cover, the features mentioned before, and the ability to have a one-on-one session with the Daily Stakes team to guide you on your betting needs. For $29.99 a month. And if you aren't sure about which one to choose. You can try the All Sports Trial. Which is $6.99 a week. And it gives you all the features the All Sports Plan offers. Outside of the one-on-one session. And the ability to enter giveaways. If you are interested in any of these packages. You can get a 30% discount code. When you use the code PICKASIDE at checkout. That is P-I-C-K-A-S-I-D-E. PICKASIDE at checkout. The link to the Daily Stakes website will be in our description box down below. And now we're back. And before we get on to the show, let's give a quick Patreon shout out to Brian Gene Baptist, Ricky Bennett, E, Enzo Tomga, Matthew Jimenez, Sean Solis, Sean, Devon McLaurin, Rice Family, John Pintavelli, Sean Triplett, Burner Hoops, Cat Stevens, Ben Mack, P. Dot, George Garcia, Hikari, Mateen, and Jay Aqua. We are now at 18 Patreons. That's insane. I'm so grateful for that, man. Puts a puts a big smile on my face. Puts a big smile on my face. And this episode is going to be a great episode. We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about basketball. Mostly basketball. There's only three football tops, topics we have slated on this episode. So today is going to be mostly basketball. But we'll start off with football. Thursday night recap. Panthers beat the Texans 24-9. to 9. And the Panthers are now 3-0. and Sam Donald leaves the Jets. He's now 3-0. and He looks like a very good quarterback. But before we talk about Sam Donald, what did you think about the Carolina Panthers versus the Texans?
1: Well, you know, at first when the game started, I thought it was going to be a cakewalk, especially considering the fact that Tyrod Taylor wasn't going to play. So I thought, you know, at, at the most, Carolina was going to come in. They was going to do their thing. And it was just going to be an easy win. But in the first half, you can see it. Carolina kind of struggled a little bit. And the Texans were kind of putting up a fight. But then in the second half, you know, that defense just started to really put in the, that pain. And Sam Donald started to get a couple rushing touchdowns. He started to find his groove. DJ Moore is one of the most consistent wide receivers in the NFL. And he was just doing what he does. So I just, I think, you know, and I think people are going to knock Carolina because of the three teams they played. You know, Saints, Hurt, Jets. And the Texans, of course. But I think, you know, it's just the energy that defense brings on that other side. They seem motivated. They seem hungry. They seem like they really play within each other, for each other. And they're young. You know, Shaq Thomas is playing one of the best football of his career. Brian Burns, Daquan Jones, J.C. Horn. I know he's going to be out for a couple weeks, but he was playing big for them, too. Dante Jackson, solid. So I, this team, this defense is young. It's exciting. That's a high motor. And I know these three games don't really, you know, don't really say much. But still, you have to look at the positives, and they've been playing great.
0: You're right. Somebody is going to say something, and that someone is me. Because <laughs> the three teams they have faced, there's no other way around it. They just haven't been too good. The Saints would have changed that narrative, yep. but they came into the game without seven defensive starters. Half their coaching staff was gone from the game. So that's why I can't give the Panthers too much credit. But three and zero is three and zero, and they have the upcoming. They have the Cowboys, they have the Vikings, and you know their their schedule isn't isn't so difficult where they can't make it five and zero. You know, yeah. so they are in a good position right now. My biggest takeaway was that the Texans, for one, with Davis Mills, I think he played fairly well for a rookie, but you couldn't expect him to do much. The Carolina Panthers, Sam Donald, he was making a lot of great throws on third down. He stood in the pocket. He took some big shots and still made some excellent throws. He had three hundred yards passing this year. He already has two games with three hundred plus yards passing, more than he he tying what he had last year in twenty twenty. So he's already off to an insane start. He has six touchdowns on the year, one interception, eight hundred eighty eight passing yards. He's about to have a career season. You mentioned DJ Moore. But, man, something about the Panthers' offense is that uh, they're allergic to Robbie Anderson. <laughs> Robbie Anderson had one reception for eight yards. He did drop a crucial third down pass. But Robbie Anderson, where
1: is he? You think it's a Panthers thing or just a Sam Darnold thing? I think it last might, year he played really well. I
0: think it might be a little bit of both. I, I do think that uh, Sam Darnold might be a little bit of to blame there. Because I think with Sam, his strengths is short intermediate passing. Uh, Robbie Anderson, we know is a vertical threat yep. with Teddy Bridgewater. I think they pushed the ball down the field more and they gave more looks to Robbie. I do think Sam and Robbie will start clicking more, but even when I was in New York, well, when Sam was in New York, I'm still in New York. I'm still on, on, on the Jets <laughs> bandwagon. Uh, even when Sam was in New York with Robbie, that connection wasn't fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of underthrows. There was a lot of miscommunication there and that could have been a product of Adam Gase. Or it could have been Sam Donner or both. You never know. But in Carolina so far, he had that big one-touchdown pass to well, with a, against one. the Jets in yep. week one. But after that, he's kind of been silent. So we'll see if he picks it up. But the Panthers dominated this game. I mean, 407 yards to 193. Panthers had double the first downs. They had 11 more minutes' time of possession. And I think what is what has made the Panthers so good is their defense. And you mentioned Shaq Thompson. You mentioned... J.C. Horn, they don't even have A.J. Boye yet. You know, when A.J. Boye comes back, he's going to bolster up that secondary. But the one guy that people aren't mentioning much, they might start mentioning soon. And in the offseason, I thought this was one of the more underrated moves in the offseason as a whole, was Hassan Redick signing to the Carolina Panthers. Yep. In 2020, he had 12 and a half sacks with Arizona. The reason that happened is because Chandler Jones got hurt and Hassan Reddick got to play on the edge. All of his life, through high school and college, he was an edge rusher. He was an outside linebacker. When he was drafted in the first round by Arizona, they tried to turn him into an inside linebacker, which is why he never had much success. But then Chandler Jones goes down. He's forced to play there. He has 12.5 sacks. Now, with the Panthers, they want him to be on the edge. And so far, he has 4.5 sacks. He's about to have a career season. He might have... More than 12 and a half sacks this upcoming season, and you pair him up with Brian Burns. Then on the inside, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones. I mean, this is an elite pass-rushing defensive line unit, and I think Hassan Reddick has been the difference. Not many people are talking about him right now. Not many people talked about him in the offseason, but I think he has been the biggest difference to Carolina's defense. Hassan Reddick is a premier pass rusher in this league.
1: Yeah, their front seven is dangerous. And, you know, their, their secondary is young. But like you said, A.J. Bowie coming back is going to bring that veteranship and he's going to bolster that secondary. But that secondary with Jer- Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, it's, it's a young group. But that front seven is just so dynamic. And I'm really interested to see them play the Cowboys, them play the Vikings, you know, teams with a little bit of a better offense than what we've seen them play so far because You know, that that's gonna be really the difference for them. Can they beat those caliber teams? And I think, you know, they're gonna make some noise and they may not win the division, obviously, because Tampa Bay is still around, but they're gonna be fighting with New Orleans all year for that second spot. And Sam Darnold, you know, I saw a stat. I said like this was like his most yards in the three games that he's ever had with even more with the Jets. And it was interesting to me because like you said, Adam Gates was a bad coach, you know, he wasn't good. But Sam Donald, you know, playing in that system, we thought that maybe he this would be the last chance he had to revive his career. You know, Carolina would be it. This would be the one chance. And we knew it because the offense, the weapons were there. You know, CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. CMC is going to be out for a few weeks too, so that's going to hurt him a little bit. But the weapons were there. Sam Donald just needed to be good, and he's been playing like a really good quarterback.
0: Yeah, and that leads me to my second question about Sam Donald and <clears> – <throat> You know, what do you think about Sam Donald now? And what is he proving to you? You know, because not too long ago, I was really high on Sam. Yep. Obviously, I switched my tune a bit. Uh, Just to give my take on this first, Sam Darnold, talent was never the question with Sam. Sam has talent. That's why he was a third overall pick. And that's why before the 2018 draft, a lot of people had him as a number one overall pick. He has the talent. It's just in New York, different OCs, specifically Adam Gase kind of, you know, sabotaging his career. Sam Donald was inconsistent. He made bad decisions. And so far with the Panthers, he hasn't faced great teams that, that put him in those positions to make a questionable play. He, you know, he's been playing great, but he has been playing out of this world, top five quarterback exceptional. He's just been playing solid. He's been managing the game and that's Okay. But I think what this shows me about Sam Donald, you know, the reason Sam Donald is is doing so good right now, and I think what we can learn from his situation, is that every quarterback, mostly every quarterback, needs a good enough situation to showcase their talents. That's all it means. So before you go on and you slander these rookie quarterbacks or these young quarterbacks, when you can tell they're, they're in awful situations, think about Sam Donald. Think about Ryan Tannehill. Think about Alex Smith for the first couple of years in his career was one of the most was, was the worst quarterback in the NFL. Then Jim Harbaugh comes into into San Francisco. Alex Smith plays exceptional. Then he goes to KC and has great seasons. He even had an MVP-like season the year Mahomes was sitting on the bench. So before you think about these quarterbacks and how bad they're doing, even though you know they're, they're in awful situations, think about these other quarterbacks and how situation matters. It it situation and quarterback play. It correlates. They both go hand in hand. So before you slander these quarterbacks that you can that you see are in bad situations, think about these other guys and you know think before you speak on them because obviously situation matters a ton.
1: Yeah, and I I agree. I think situation unless you're a Peyton Manning like a general or Andrew like a generation like quarterback situation plays a big part. You know, you look at the rookies now, Mac Jones in a great situation, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson in a bad situation. They're not playing up to expectation, but the talent is there. And I think with Sam Darnold, not just situation, but mindset too. You know, he was the youngest quarterback in the NFL. One of the youngest players in the league when he came in, he was young. He's still young relatively. He's what 22, 23 years old. So he's still a young guy. What you can see in his game now is maturity. It's, He's grown up. He's adjusted. You can see the poise in his game. You can see the the level of maturity in his game where now he's a little bit more comfortable. He's a little bit more understanding of the game. And that's been New York where he was there. He was a kid. You know, he didn't have that leadership quality. He was a little bit underwhelmed. And now you can see him in a whole different mindset and a whole different environment. He just looks a lot better.
0: Just to name a couple of quarterbacks, because I, I think this is a great point. I, I thought about this. The other day, and just to ask, are you like touching something under the table?
1: Oh, I, don't yeah. know, I might be moving my foot.
0: Okay, yeah, because it's, it's, it's bringing like some feedback on the mics. So I thought about this, and it, it made me think about how we view quarterbacks. Yep. You look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes sat before he played. Mm-hmm. Now he's great, but KC was a great situation. Aaron Rodgers had Brett Favre. Brett Favre leaves the Packers are still a great situation. Rodgers didn't play until his fourth year in the league. You know he sat a, a ton. You look at these other quarterbacks like Steve Young. He sat behind a Joe Montana, and then he ended up being great. You look you look down a line of these great quarterbacks, even Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe gets knocked out, but the Patriots were a good situation. You look all you look at all of these top quarterbacks in the NFL. Most of them. Were put in great situations to succeed right off the bat. Dak Prescott, his rookie season with Zeke, that defense, that offensive line, good situation, even though he was exceptional too. Russell Wilson, Legion of Boom. You know, these quarterbacks were put in good situations. You hardly ever hear of a quarterback going from the gutter with the organization and bringing Lamar them Jackson to the top. Too. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is another one. Pan Manning. He's like probably one of the few exceptions. Even John Elway, when John Elway was drafted, he was known as a generational talent. He didn't want to go to the Colts. That's why he went to the Broncos because of the situation. He wanted to free himself from that situation. Eli Manning, not going to the Chargers, going to New York. And now Philip Rivers is known as one of the bit better stat guys, but he's never won. And Eli is known as a guy who wasn't much of a stat guy, but won. So situation matters a whole ton, and you rarely ever get to see a, a quarterback drafted one, change an organization. In the past decade, let's just say I think Cam was probably one of them with the Carolina Panthers. He yep. changed them around. Andrew Luck. But even Andrew Luck, the year previous, before they went 2-14, Peyton Manning led that team to the playoffs. So it was still a pretty good team but Andrew Luck, I, I, you could say he did lead that organization. What about RG3? I think Washington was assembled well. You know, they they had uh, Mike Shanahan as coach, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan as the OC. I mean, they had a great – Sean McVay was on that coaching staff. Like, they had a great coaching staff, and they had talent around him. But he, he might be one of those few other guys. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill with Miami not not starting good. Yep. Uh, Alex Smith, you know, with the 49ers, bad situation, didn't lead them anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So – these are just examples and how it's hard for a quarterback to come in right away and, and just take an organization out of the gutter. And Sam Darnold failing in New York, I don't think is a testament to his talent because obviously, you know, we see in Carolina, he's doing good so far. But the Carolina Panthers did lose J.C. Horn in this game and Christian McCaffrey. Yep. And they have the Dallas Cowboys next. So, what, what do you think the CMC injury means and the JC Horn injury means? Because CMC, it's a hamstring. He's out a couple of weeks. JC Horn, it's broken foot.
1: Yeah. I mean, CMC is great for Sam because, like you said, he loves the short and intermediate passes. And CMC is one of those guys that makes those routes for him. CMC, regardless of that, is, is you know, he's their best offensive player by far. So, that's a huge loss for them. Dallas is, you know, defensively, I think Carolina's going to be okay. But Dallas' secondary has proven it's been all right You know, as of late. It's been solid. Trayvon Diggs, Jordan Lewis, so it's not. It's been all right. So they're probably going to give Carolina some troubles. I still think Carolina can come out and get that W just if Sam continues to play the way he plays game, managing, playing the game at his pace, running the clock, managing the clock well. I think they can still get it done because that defense has been playing at an elite level.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think CMC is a huge loss, and it sucks because CMC being hurt adds fuel to the running backs don't matter debate, which isn't even much of a debate. If you watch football and you have been following it, you know that running backs don't matter. CMC getting injured is the latest testament to that, but also Tony Pollard playing better than Ezekiel Elliott and looking more dynamic and productive when he does get those snaps is also a testament to that running backs don't matter statement. You know, you can say the Cowboys messed up by paying, by paying Zeke because Tony Pollard looks just as good. Carolina Panthers paid CMC. Last year, the Panthers had a running back that came out of nowhere that was highly productive in Mike Davis, and now he's in Atlanta. So you, you can fill the void of running back, and CMC getting hurt kind of adds fuel to that debate. I think the big loss here is J.C. Horn. That secondary was already good with Horn And with um, Dante Jackson, but now when you have Horn, A.J. Boye, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin on that back end. I mean, this defense is really one of the better units all across the board, and losing him is going to be huge. I do think A.J. Boye can hold it down. Dallas, I'm, I'm not sure what to think of Dallas so far. I think it's too early for me to have a valid opinion, but I will say this. If the Panthers do beat Dallas, I will be very impressed.
1: I could dig it because da- Dallas is like a 50-50. They can play like one of the best teams in the league and they can just totally play like garbage. But yeah, this would be a big win for Carolina. Definitely can fuel that fire of we're actually a really good team and we're just not beating scrubs because Dallas is a good team.
0: Week three, biggest games of the weekend. The first one just happened, the Panthers and Texas, even though that's not a big game. But these are the biggest games of the week weekend that I've you know, stumbled upon Chargers versus Chiefs, Colts versus Titans, Buccaneers versus Rams, Packers versus Niners, and the Eagles versus Cowboys. Which one are you most looking forward to?
1: Well, I'm surprised you didn't say Bills and Red uh, Washington Football Team. You know, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say that.
0: I don't think it's as big as a game as these games right here. And uh, Carson Wentz is playing.
1: Carson Wentz is playing, and I, and I, I, I you know, it's interesting because I, I like the rivalry games. I thought Bengals and Pittsburgh was going to be a really good game too. But, of course, I'm interested in Philly and uh, Dallas, you know, rivalry game. That's going to be a great game. Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott. Of course, Tampa versus the Rams. You know, even though A.B. isn't playing, I still feel like this is going to be a different vibe game. This is a different energy game. Matthew Stafford's first big game with the Rams against Tampa Bay, a team that they're going to be competing with for the NFC crown. So I think that's going to be a huge game. Obviously, Chargers versus the Chiefs. This, this is Herbert's game right here. This is the game that can really put the Chargers on the map, can make them really feel like we're here, we're coming, this is going to be our division. So this is another game. Those are, I feel like those are the two games because Matthew Stafford being in a new situation in a winning environment, this could obviously put a different vibe to the energy in L.A. And also, of course, the Chargers because Justin Herbert can come in and he's the next guy up after Patrick Mahomes.
0: So for me, it's easy. The, the, the one I'm, I'm looking forward to the most is the Buccaneers versus the Rams. And before I give my take on this game, I, I was watching NFL Live and ESPN and, and also NFL Network and NFL mm-hmm. Game Day Morning, and they're talking about this game and how it means so much. I think it means a lot. I don't think it means as much as people think it means. Like They're saying Matthew Stafford was brought in to win games like this and stuff like that. And while that's true, I don't disagree with it. It is week three. You know, we did see last year the Saints beat the Buccaneers twice in the regular season. Pretty much embarrassed them both times. And the Buccaneers still beat them in the playoffs. So if the Buccaneers win this game, I don't think that means the Rams are out of contention or vice versa. I just think this is going to be a great game. Defensive matchup. Because you look at the Buccaneers, what they do the best. They pass the ball no risk it, no biscuit Bruce Arians philosophy Rams have a good secondary and they have that pass rush Aaron Donald is looking forward to get into Tom Brady Ali Marpet has his hands full but then on the Ram side I think what these analysts said about Matthew Stafford was correct you know Matthew Stafford was very good in Detroit he wasn't he was great at times but at times he also cost the Lions games with his late interception woes and He has gotten this sympathy treatment from everybody, fans, media, because we all felt bad for his time in Detroit. Now, he's not getting that anymore. He has to produce and he has to show that he's significantly better than Jared Goff. Not just a little bit, not just Jared Goff to Kirk Cousins better, but Jared Goff to like Russell Wilson better. He has to showcase that he was a gigantic upgrade. And winning a game like this is going to showcase that. Against the Colts, he was good, but he didn't look – he didn't do anything in that game that told me Jared Goff couldn't come in here and do something similar.
1: Okay. Okay. What about game one?
0: Chicago. It's against Chicago. Even though I've seen Goff struggle against Chicago, Mm -hmm. but this is a different Bears team. This isn't the 2018 Bears that I saw Goff struggle against. This is the 2021 Bears – Defense is completely different. Vic Fangio is not there. You know, I'm not saying Matthew Stafford, he's made some throws that I've said Goff can't make that. Of course. But I've also seen Jared Goff for a couple of quarters hold the Lions above water. Yeah. And I don't think slotting in Matthew Stafford in Detroit and the games Goff has played would help them win any of those games either. I think they would have been 0-2 regardless. And I think Jared Goff with the Rams right now probably is still 2-0. You know, I don't see, especially if Carson Wentz goes down in that game, yeah. you know, I still think they're 2-0. and So I, I think Matthew Stafford, to really justify that trade, he has to win about 12 to 13 games this season.
1: I think he has to win the division. You know, I, I think this has to be, you know, this is the first year out of your your situation. And granted, people gave him the pity for Detroit, and we all know Detroit is a very bad organization. Yeah. So it's like a, you know, we're going to give you the leeway, but the Rams are not. You know, the Rams are legit Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl with this team. Granted, it's not the same team. Todd Gurley was at his best. But still, Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl. You you have to at least win the division, make the NFC Championship. Like, it's championship or bust for the Rams because they have everything they need to go that far. And Matthew Stafford has was told he's the missing piece. So I definitely agree with that statement.
0: And it's a different situation from Sam Donald because Sam Donald with the Jets didn't play good because of that. Everybody thought Sam Donald is not good. Yep. And all he has to do in Carolina is prove that he is good. Matthew Stafford, we knew was good. Now he has to prove that he's elite. Yep. Like he, he's going from good to elite. Donald just had to go from bad to good. You know, he didn't have to make too big of a jump. Matthew Stafford has to really justify that trade and play out of this world and I think Stafford can do it. I'm a big Stafford fan. But looking at the division realistically, Jimmy G is the only quarterback you can say Stafford is better than. You know, you know, definitely. Yeah, he's not better than – I don't think he's better than Kyle. Or, he's not better than Russell Wilson. Mm. So because of that, in a division where you're the third best quarterback, even though that is a loaded division, there is some questions because I think Jared Goff would have been the third best quarterback in the division if he was here too. <laughs> you think he's not better than Jimmy G? I think they're in the same type of I, I think he's better than Jimmy G.
1: He probably is, but I think like the gap between Jared Goff and K one and Russell is bigger than the gap between Stafford and K one and Russell. No, I
0: agree. You know, so, I'm I, I don't I don't say this to, you know, act like I'm hating on Stafford. No, I love I know, Matthew yeah. Stafford as a quarterback, but we also have to be objective. Yeah, something and to and prove. He has a lot to prove with the Rams, and it, it can't just be a wild card appearance. It can't just be beating up on bad teams. Yep. He has to show up and not make those late-game mistakes, which in Detroit, yeah, I get it. They were a bad team, but he also made a lot of mistakes in Detroit. He also threw a lot of boneheaded interceptions. I saw a lot of that from him as well, so it's not like he was this picture-perfect quarterback. You know, there was still flaws with his game as well, but of course, being in Detroit kind of elevated those flaws, kind of made them more apparent to everybody else, but now in the big stage, we'll see how he does with the Rams. I hope he does well. Yeah. And Matthew Stafford is a guy who's looking to prove himself. And Teddy Bridgewater is is a guy looking to prove himself, Mm. right? Teddy Bridgewater is someone who got, who tore his ACL with Minnesota. He led them to the playoffs, made a Pro Bowl. Tore his ACL, was out for like a year or two. Then went to the Jets, played with the Jets in the preseason. He was competing with Sam Donald for that quarterback spot, for that starting quarterback spot. But the Jets said, we're going to start Darnold. We're going to trade Teddy away to the Saints, which might have been a mistake in hindsight because he would have been a great bridge for Darnold to come in and learn under a quarterback and then eventually play. He gets traded to the Saints, does exceptionally well with them when Breeze is out, goes 5-0, throws nine touchdowns zero gets a contract from Carolina, pretty hefty contract, plays okay. Now they trade Bridgewater and they get Sam instead, Now, Bridgewater is in Denver, and so far, everybody is talking about Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Mahomes, and even Derek Carr in the MVP conversation. I did say Kyler. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the question is, can Teddy Bridgewater sneak into the MVP conversation? Right now, he has thrown 592 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks, has a 77% completion percentage, and an 82.7 QBR, which ranks first in the NFL. So numbers wise, he has played like an MVP quarterback. It's just been two games. So do you think Teddy can sneak into the MVP conversation?
1: Well, I saw his next 6-7 games, they're brutal. It's 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 going to get bad after this week. I believe they play Jacksonville.
0: It's Jets, Ravens, Steelers, Oh, Jets. yeah, they, after yeah. they play
1: the Jets, it gets really brutal after. Ravens, Steelers, yep.
0: Raiders, Browns, Washington. So
1: it's it's going to get tough, but I think he if cuz you know, you look at the quarterbacks and, and this is what I like about football. It's not like the NBA. There's no real narrative. You know, you don't... People... you If you play good in the NFL, you get recognized, especially as a quarterback in the MVP race. Teddy Bridgewater, if he plays great, he's going to get recognized. They're going to talk about him. The thing is, I just don't know if he's going to play exceptional. You know, I think his counting stats are going to be K-1s or Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady's or even Matthew Stafford. I don't think he's going to have the counting numbers. But I think... If they continue to win games, and Teddy Bridgewater is the guy who's shining in those games, I don't see why he can't sneak into the MVP race. He has the defense there. His offense is there. He has the weapons. You know? So I think if he keeps playing the way he's playing, granted, he's he, he's kind of getting that same rep that the Panthers have gotten. They haven't played anybody yet. So I mean, the Giants, I, I think we can both agree the Giants are a good team. That's a good defense. But he hasn't really played anybody yet. So it's going to get brutal next. But the, the schedule that he's about to play and really can put him in that MVP conversation if he plays great.
0: I think he can. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast before I think episode 113, I mentioned this. Last week. When we talked about Denver, yeah. <laughs> 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 but P- Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer's tenure with the Giants made people forget that he's actually a pretty damn good play caller. He was a play caller from Minnesota when Case Keenum was in the MVP conversation. I mean, Case Keenum, before the Vikings, before Shermer, was a backup. I mean, Mm -hmm. and one of the worst ones at that. Now he goes to Minnesota, he's in the MVP conversation, responsible for the Minnesota miracle. I mean, Pat Shermer was exceptional that year. I mean, Pat Shermer turned Case Keenum into an MVP candidate. Daniel Jones' rookie year. He threw 24 touchdowns. Daniel Jones threw 24 touchdowns in his rookie year with Pat Shermer calling a place. And Daniel Jones hasn't done that since. We'll see if he does that yep. this upcoming season. Pat Shermer can make an average QB look good and a good quarterback look great. I think Teddy is a good quarterback that Shermer is making look great or even better than he is right now. Obviously, obviously, Teddy's a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's not, but I think the play calling has a lot to do with his success right now. And those things go hand in hand, OC play caller and quarterback. And that's why I think Teddy can be in the MVP conversation. You talked about their schedule being brutal. I don't think it's too brutal. The jets, I think they'll be okay against them. The jets, even though they've had a good defense so far, you know, the jets defense has not been a pushover. They've been solid. The Ravens, they are prone to giving up a lot of passing yards especially this season. We saw that against the Raiders, we saw that against the Chiefs. Of course, we know what the yeah. Chiefs are, <laughs> but I think the Broncos and Raiders have similar talent to where if I saw the Raiders, if I if I saw what the Raiders can do to the Ravens, I think the Broncos can do it as well. The Steelers, okay, that's a that's going to be a tough defensive rugged game. The Raiders, that's going to be a shootout. The Browns, I'm not sold on their defense. I yeah. think that's going to be a shootout as well. And then Washington, you know, I think Washington and, the, and Pittsburgh are going to be the two rugged games. But the other games, I think Teddy can put up big numbers against them. Mm. And maybe not even big numbers. I'm kind of over exaggerating it. Maybe like 230 p- passing yards with like two touchdowns each game, which they're good numbers, but if he does that consistently, he could be in that NVB conversation because his efficiency would be off the charts.
1: I don't like how you just made Baltimore seem like a pushover. I, I, that's a tough. I don't game. think
0: they're a pushover, but I definitely don't think they're this lockdown defensive unit.
1: They don't, but I don't think they need to be. You know, because I mean,
0: you don't have. We know what Marlon Humphrey is, but not having Marcus Peters there that's, that's is tough. huge. And linebackers, they don't have much coverage linebackers outside of Patrick Queen. And even him, he's still learning the game. He's still very young. Their safeties aren't anything exceptional. I mean, really, Baltimore's defense is okay, but they're not this elite defensive unit.
1: Yeah, I just think, you know, when you have Lamar, games are going to be tough, you know. And Baltimore isn't a pushover. You know, they did just beat the Chiefs. and Not a lot of teams do that, so... And the Raiders, you know, that's going to be a division game. So that's going to be what it is. You know, division games are always tough. But, yeah, like you said, it if Pittsburgh can get healthy by that game, that's going to be a defensive game. And that's going to be the first time we see Teddy get really tested on the other side of the field. So and same with um, – what was the team you mentioned after this? Washington. Washington. Same thing. That's going to be the first time that them, both defensive lines are going to test that offensive line of Denver. So those two games are really going to be the tough games. But – Like you said, I think we can both agree on it. He can probably sneak in. You know, I don't know if he's going to have the counting numbers, though. Like, if he's going to have the—I know he's going to manage the game. I know he's going to be—he's going to take some shots. But is he going to have the consistent 250s, 260s, maybe 300s, two TDs, three TD games? That's the question. And I don't know because it depends on Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Last week, episode 113, Drew was here, and a a take that he had went viral on (laughs) TikTok— Uh, because he said he would rather Drew Locke start than Teddy Bridgewater, and that video has resurfaced not only on YouTube Shorts but also on TikTok, and people are, uh, of course, disagreeing with it because the Broncos are two and zero. You trying to
1: say resurfaced? So you posted it?
0: No, resurfaced. I what that means is that the the clip went viral. Oh, it stopped. Then it and went viral again after yeah, Teddy did yeah. it. So it resurfaced and. I didn't disagree with Drew's take. I thought Teddy Bridgewater should have been the starter from the start. Me too. Because I just think he's able to manage a game. And Drew Locke, you don't know what you're going to get with him. He's a wild card. He could have an exceptional game. He could throw two picks and cost you the game. Teddy Bridgewater, you know he's not going to cost you the game. And I think that's what Denver needs. And now he's having a career season. We'll see if he can keep it up. But I, I do think he can sneak into that MVP conversation and I think it's partly because of Pat Shermer calling plays. I do think his Giants tenure did kind of sway public opinion on him as a play caller yeah. because he wasn't a great head coach. <clears throat> he he didn't know how to manage personalities. But as just an offensive mind and play caller, he is really good.
1: I think just people were upset with Drew because he, he was OK with losing, having another losing season. <laughs> <laughs> and Denver fans were tired of that and they felt Teddy... Which so far it's been true, Teddy can bring them some wins and they I don't
0: just... know. A lot of people thought Drew Locke should have been the starter before Teddy was named it. Uh, yeah, I think even Denver fans thought that.
1: Yeah. I I'm just reading what I've been reading like as Teddy was started to winning. So I didn't read before I'm reading now and people have been saying, No, we're tired of losing and Drew Locke, he gives you that 50-50 chance, but I think we know what he is at this point. Like he's a guy who's just he's just not that good right now. I mean, but situation, yeah. like you said. Situations could change and Drew Locke could just not be the vibe for Denver.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought we knew what Drew Locke was too. But I, I think now when quarterbacks struggle in their first couple of seasons, first two for Drew Locke, mm-hmm. there's still hope amongst fans that they can turn it around because Josh Allen is the example everybody turns to. But there are not many Josh Allens, you know, yeah. there are not many guys like, that are that talented and Drew Locke, even though he had some good games, he had a lot of bad in between there. And this is a Broncos team that had talent. You know, with the Bills and Josh Allen, he was throwing his rookie year. He was throwing to Ruben Foster. That yep. was his best receiver. Second year was Cole Beasley and John Brown. They're good, but he didn't have a number one. You know, Drew Locke missed a lot of a lot of uh, Jerry Judy last year, <laughs> and I, I just I just saw. Uh, Waved my hand because I I see see this fly flying around. Yeah. I don't know if the camera can catch that. There was a fly flying around. (laughs) I was trying to swat it. I always try to kill insects when they're around me, bro. Bothers you? It doesn't bother me, but it actually does bother me. (laughs) It disturbs my presence. Yeah. Like they're plying on me. (laughs) I have a knack for catching flies, though. Really? Yeah. I have
1: really good reflexes. One thing, I hate killing spiders. Why? I'm scared as hell of them. So I don't, I don't like I move away from them. I'm really, what,
0: what made you scared of them?
1: Eight-legged freaks.
0: Eight-legged freaks. What's that? A movie?
1: Yeah, with, with David Arquette. It's it's a movie about the spiders. It Made me really scared of them when I was a kid. So Don't like them.
0: And that's gonna do it for this the NFL talk. <clears throat> like I told you guys, it's gonna be short NFL today. We're mostly gonna talk about N- uh, NBA today. And before we go into our first segment talking about the Timberwolves. Avery Bradley has agreed to sign with the Golden State Warriors, which means Isaiah Thomas is not going to be on the team. He's not getting signed. (laughs) It's their loss, man. It's their (laughs) loss. But what do you think about Avery Bradley going to Golden State?
1: More depth. I mean, he's a good defensive guard. I don't think he's really a point guard, though. He's more of a two, but good defensive guard, can shoot the three ball, can guard multiple positions, you know. Just more depth behind Steph Curry. Honestly, just a guy in case Steph goes down or Jordan Poole goes down. What Golden State lacked last year was guys to step up when guys got healthy. You know, Steph went down. Wiggins missed a couple games. No Clay, no Poole. So, you know, Avery Bradley just brings more depth.
0: Yeah, I think this is cool. I don't know if it does too much for them because at the guard spot, you do have Steph, you do have Clay coming back. But behind them, I'm not sure. Moses Moody is there too, but I think they would prefer Bradley over Moody right now at this point yep. at this given time Uh Jordan Poole is there too so i don't know maybe they can go with a Bradley and Poole two guard lineup off the bench you know it would Bradley would mask Poole's defensive uh, woes and Poole can be that creator you know that he is right now currently so i think every Bradley was a pretty good pickup yeah and and i think that's why they didn't go with ATI cuz it is IT is offense but he's not going to bring you yeah, defense Poole already yeah, yeah i think they want to bring in defense and even well, with Klay uh, Thompson, right, because the knock on Klay Thompson coming back from this injury is that he can't be the defender that he once was. So let's say, you know, of course we know Golden State is not going to rush Thompson back. If he plays, it's going there, there's going to be a couple months where he's getting 20 to 23 minutes a game. He's not going to be playing over 30. Because of that, Bradley could be that guy at the two with Steph. Mm-hmm. And it could be obviously not playing Steph like before, but it could be that... Bradley's the defensive stopper. Steph gets to rest on that end and he kind of picks up that responsibility.
1: Yep. Just like that. I mean Moody uh, Moody's 6'6, though. I prefer him. I prefer the height and the length. Bradley's but you think he's a little. better
0: do you think he's a better defender than Bradley right now?
1: No, I just think he can guard more because of his length and his height. You know, Bradley's really small. We'll see though. I mean, nonetheless, good depth. I mean, Clay's not coming back till Christmas. That's a while. That's December, so...
0: So what's their projected start of lineup?
1: They haven't said anything well, yet. Well, we some... know Steph, yeah, Ray, and Wiggins. Is we, yeah, well, Wiggins, three. we don't know because he didn't get the vaccine.
0: But he's still going to play.
1: Well, he can't play home games. Why not? Because I think they required the vaccine to play home games.
0: You sure? I
1: think. I'm not like 100%, but I think. I think they've made a big deal out of it that he might not be able to play at the start of the season.
0: Let me check. So... How Andrew Wiggins refuses to receive COVID nineteen vaccine compromises Warriors. Yeah,
1: it's something in there.
0: He said he doesn't see himself getting it until unless he's forced to, mm. and he said unless I'm forced to somehow. So I I don't know what that means. You know, <laughs> what does that even yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't know if they expect him to like get. I don't know if they just expect him to you know just people just come into his house and like you know or
1: put a gun to his head. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know, know
0: what's gonna happen with that. But I'm not sure. I don't think it, it says anything about requiring a vaccine. Okay, yeah. In the Warriors case, they all are also subject to the city of San Francisco's ruling that people have to show proof of being fully vaccinated yep. to attend a large indoor gathering. There it is. So, yeah, Wiggins will not be able to play any of the Warriors games at the Chase Center.
1: Some, he might not even play some on the road, too. That's big. That is big. Because now you lost your best defender at the moment on the perimeter. I was
0: seeing a lot of tweets about his decision not to get the vaccine and people talking about, well, it's not like Andrew Wiggins has been immune to bad shot selection oh in the past. Goodness. So they were making fun of him for not getting it. I mean, this is big. I mean, obviously, if a guy's getting that type of contract, you expect him to follow all of the guidelines. Yep. I mean, he's getting, what, $30 million a year? So he definitely should get the vaccine. Like. hmm you're at this point, you got to play. Yeah, you know, This is your job.
1: I think they're they're forcing you by telling you, bro, you can't play a home game if you don't get the vaccine. You should get it. I mean, that's disrespectful wow, to your that, teammates.
0: That, that changes the Warriors because now, are they going to, would they start Kaminga?
1: Is he's going to No, wait, no.
0: Actually, no. Otto Porter starting. At the third? Or four.
1: He could either both. He could do both. I keep telling you Looney's going to start. Why do you not keep listening to <laughs> So, Looney. okay, Steph,
0: Uh you think Looney's starting <laughs> over Wiseman?
1: Wiseman, not, he's not ready yet.
0: Okay, so Steph, Porter, Draymond, and Looney. <laughs> yes. So then the 2 it's who can probably be the, boo Moody. You think Moody starts think, over
1: Bradley? I think Poole is not going to start.
0: No, he's not. I don't think he is. It's just too much of a defensive liability.
1: Yeah. Steph and Poole is... No. I think
0: Moody's a really good defender, but... I mean, obviously, Summer League doesn't tell you the whole story, but in yeah. Summer League, Moody wasn't lighting the world on fire on either ends. Nope. So now in the NBA... He's gonna look kind of lost at least in the beginning. Or you could pick it up. I'm not sure, but if Bradley I'm going to state, yeah, if I'm going to state, I'll start with Steph, Bradley, Porter, Draymond. I mean, Looney. that leaves
1: your bench full of rookies. Then you got Poole, Kaminga, Moody, Bealitsa, Bealitsa, Toscano. Right. <laughs> I mean, it out. has
0: to be full of rookies at this yeah. point. I mean, the the Warriors made that decision when mm-hmm. they decided not to trade those draft picks. Yep. They were. They already were going to have two lottery picks, plus Poole but, is young.
1: But, but Wiggins puts a hole because Otto Porter would have came off the bench with the young guys. Yeah. So now, so now like, Wiggins yeah. kind of messed it
0: up. He messed up because that bench would have been great with Otto and Jordan Poole there.
1: Even Bradley, Bradley but, you know, Clay. That's gonna why gonna you back. don't
0: think they start Wiseman to have Looney and veteranship off the bench.
1: Wiseman's not going to be ready. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't think Looney, they love Looney for some reason, bro. I think he's gonna start. I mean, I hope he doesn't. I like Wiseman, but Wiseman, he's not ready. He won't be ready by uh I forgot first game. who they
0: also have Andre Godalla. Oh shit.
1: Yeah Wow. There so we go. He's in the lineup. Yeah. So
0: he's on the bench. Or he could start. You yeah. think he starts over Porter though? I don't think he does.
1: Nah, they need that three and D. Yeah. uh Iggy looked really bad last what year. What if
0: they just go with the small ball five lineup? They go Iggy, Draymond, Porter, Bradley, Steph. That's really good defensively. You might as well. That I think I think that'll be like their closing lineup.
1: That's that's. But then again, that's what they didn't want to do. Put that's the same thing as last year. Steph has to create everything.
0: Bradley can do a little bit. I mean, but, he averaged sixteen. But you don't
1: have to guard Iggy and Dre at this point.
0: You're right, but Iggy can create a little bit too. He's a good playmaker.
1: He can, but you know he's going to pass it. Like you know he's going to. He's so not. So their closing
0: all. lineup could be. I think Bradley probably should be in it for defense. I think
1: Poole has to be in it. Poole
0: has to be in it. Porter has to be in it. Draymond, of course.
1: Depends on who you're playing.
0: Yeah, honestly, it really depends. But the thing about Steph is that they don't want him to create everything, but he can do it. Yeah. I mean, it's only going to really affect go to state when they face elite teams that really key in on him. But these other teams that aren't too great, it's not going to be too big of a problem.
1: I mean, they got L.A. open tonight.
0: The Clippers or Lakers?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. The Lakers. When I say L.A., I'm... Yeah, the Lakers. If Lakers open night in L.A. So, do you need the vaccine to play L.A.?
0: It's Los Angeles. I don't think... There's not many restrictions in L.A.
1: Wiggins might be able to play that game. I don't think
0: so, so... That's tough. Uh, That's such a dilemma for them. They have
1: both L.A. teams, actually, that week.
0: Wow. That's such a dilemma for them. It's a shame, honestly. (laughs) If, If Wiggins isn't able to play, like, over half their games because of that, it's really... That's really dumb on his part. Yeah. So Timberwolves, we've we've talked about them a lot during the offseason. And we appreciate the Timberwolves fans enjoy our videos. But we have some sad news, right? Because (laughs) Timberwolves fired Gerson Gerson Rosas. And I hope I'm saying that name right. I might not be. And they fired him unexpectedly. It shocked everybody. Carl Anthony Towns even tweeted WTF on Twitter because he was shocked by this. And many people thought that this would lead to Cat demanding a trade, but it hasn't happened. And I don't think he's planning on doing it either. So that's a good sign. But to, to summarize it, his reign, according to The Athletic, I was reading their article, was described as dysfunctional. And rival teams would complain about how he treated relationships and negotiations. And some said Rosa's worked long staff hours without giving his input on decision-making and one member said he's not who I thought he was and he was also criticized for firing Ryan Saunders and bringing in Chris Finch and Roses who's also married had intimate relations with someone who worked in the organization which made people uncomfortable so this dude got fired and his marriage is in shambles right now his life uh, is a shame this is, this is double L's for him. Yeah. But he also had backers, right? It was everybody wasn't crucifying this guy. He had backers. I'm guessing Kat was one of them because he tweeted WTF. But some people in the organization blamed the organization and the pandemic and not Rosa's. And also some insisted that it was an environment in which people could speak freely and offer their views on what needed to be done. And that teams across the board, the league were dealing with issues of discontent among overworked scouts, executive coaches and players. I'm not sure what that second part has to do with the first part, (laughs) but the point is that he did have backers. Some people thought that it was a great organization to work for and the environment. It was a free and open environment. So Mm -hmm. this is like a 50 50 thing, right? Some people are saying he was horrible. the The culture was toxic. He was having an affair while working and the other side is saying, "No he's actually a good dude. I respected him, and this firing shocked me. So what are your thoughts on this whole dilemma?
1: Sound like it just sounds like the typical world. you know some people liked him, some people didn't. Some people had a different opinion. I feel like it's good because now turmoils can go in a new direction. They've been in shambles for a long time. you know, Minnesota hasn't been a good organization since freaking Kevin Garnett. you know they, And the hires Rose was making, David Kahn. Saunders, they put, you know, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. He shouldn't have general manager duties. I'm sorry. That's just not that's just not what he should be doing. I think Rozas has, if that's his name, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I think he didn't make the best decisions for the Timberwolves. And it's just a, it's a start in a new direction. You know, you get a new guy in there, maybe somebody who appeals more to the players, somebody who's more of a connector, somebody who's more of a people person. And then you can start this new trend. You know, Anthony Edwards is now here. D-Lo's here, Cats here. You got a, a young set group of guys, new coach, new environment. So this is, you know, this is something that you can just bring that's different, a different energy, a different vibe to the arena because Minnesota has talent. They just haven't been good in a long time. They have made the playoffs what one time in ten years with
0: Jimmy and Thibodeau. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's like, and they won a game, and then before that, it's been a, what KG era. So they, this team needs to buckle down and really figure out what this franchise is because it's embarrassing.
0: So. I'm kind of split on this, right? Because you, you talked about they need a new direction. I'm not sure that's true because Gerson Rosas was just hired. I mean, this happened after Thibodeau was fired. It's not too long ago. He didn't have much time to really fix the Timberwolves. And this is a tweet from Dane Moore who covers the Timberwolves. And he's a host of a Timberwolves podcast with the Blue Wire Pods, I believe. And he said, Gerson Roses was terrific to work with as a media member was transparent, mm. always available on or off the record, came on my pod numerous times. And we know how much that means, you know, coming on a podcast that's that's huge for us podcasters. so we can definitely agree with that. And somehow found out I got laid off. This guy, Dane Moore, was laid off. And before he told his family, Rose, has already knew about it and called me that day. And called him that day and actually, you know, spoke to him about it and stuff. So it looks like he was a pretty good human being. And this last thing Dane Moore said was that Rosas treated you like a real person. And of course, when people work in the NBA, whether it's athletes or executives or coaches, oftentimes as a media member, you don't get treated like a real person because you're just looked at as the media. So I guess this kind of speaks to the point that Rosas was a good person. Uh, My biggest concern with this move is that Rose has fired Ryan Saunders, which if you think it was justified, that's your opinion. I think I'm 50-50 on the decision. I think Ryan Saunders probably wasn't ready to be head coach, but I think the firing was unexpected. And he hired Chris Finch. He brought in his head coach from the Toronto Raptors. Now, they just promoted this fellow named Sachin Gupta. I hope I'm saying that right. He's the first person of Indian origin mm. to run a basketball organization. Nice. So this is a W for Indians all across the world. So hit that applause button right there. And a shout out to Indians right now. Gupta, new president of basketball operations. That's a good move. I'm not sure if it is. You know, we'll no, see. No, I mean
1: like good move for the culture. Okay, that's yeah. good.
0: <laughs> that's a good move for the culture. Yeah. Even though we lost a Spanish brother today, yeah, we lost uh, a Spanish brother yesterday. Uh, but Gupta, he's the creator of the ESPN trade machine okay. and he's a respected mind, but Chris Finch is not his head coach. So is this guy going to try to tear down everything Rosas did? Is he going to try I mean, to... Rosas is gone now. I know. So there's no reason why he, he can't. And Sop, Gupta and Rosas had beef during their tenure in Minnesota because, um, I keep forgetting his last name, Gupta... He wanted, to, he wanted to get a GM job somewhere else, but he believed that Rosas was blocking him from doing so. So there was some beef between them as well. But that's my biggest worry is that he could try and ruin what Rosas was trying to build. We know the Timberwolves wanted Ben Simmons. Now, are they going to get Ben Simmons? We're not sure. You know, I've read a report somewhere that said Rosas, the reason behind his firing was because the Timberwolves felt like he was going to make an impulsive decision in trading for Ben Simmons. Mm. So this firing could have been something could have had something to do with the Wolves, not wanting Ben and stopping roses from trying to trade for Ben. And that's why they fired him. And that's why Gupta was promoted. But the reports that the Timberwolves were doing, the Timberwolves have been doing internal investigations on Roses for a while. And even though they did find out about that affair, that wasn't the reason they fired him. They fired him because of basketball reasons and, because Mark Laura and Alex Rodriguez, who are about to be Timberwolves' new ownership and have a majority stake, want a new direction. They were worried about the concerns that they were receiving from people about Rosas. So it does seem like, you know, the Timberwolves are a mess, but this isn't new to Timberwolves fans. It kind of it has been that way yep. for a while. But Rose's, I don't think, did a bad job, you know? You can only say the, miss was, the only miss was Jared Culver. But Jared Vanderbilt has been good. Nas Reid has been good. Anthony Edwards, we know that was a hit. You know, the other young Malik Beasley getting him was good. Even though, you know, another thing that I read in the article was that people inside the organization were upset about the d trade because they felt like the protections on the first round picks weren't good enough. Hmm. So, but I thought the d trade was good too. And now getting Pat Bev, I think that was a good move too. So getting Pat, Bev, D'Lo, Beasley, Edwards, you know, Cat, McDaniels. I mean, he's assembled a pretty talented roster. It's not like they're not talented.
1: I think the only... Well, this is all, this is one of my dark horses to make the playoffs in the West. I think their only real problem is inconsistency of defense. You know, it's been inconsistency in the front office, and it's been defense on that end. And also, they haven't been able to stay healthy. So, you know...
0: I think that's been the biggest one.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it's... They've had what? Cat has had seven, eight, nine coaches run through his tenure in Minnesota. So it's like he's had a good coach, he's had a bad coach, he's had a terrible coach, he's had a great coach. You know, he's. You said seven to eight. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I, can, I don't know I, how But he it's, got back in twenty fifteen. It's at least five.
0: Ryan Saunders, Tom Thibodeau, David now Khan. Chris Finch. I don't know if it's been seven or eight. I could. It's probably been
1: five. Yeah, I could. I could. I could have guessed it on seven, eight. It felt like seven, eight. Was Flip his coach or no?
0: So it was, let me check right here. Flip was not his coach. So it was Sam Mitchell, Tom Thibodeau, Ryan Saunders, and now Chris Finch. So like four? Yeah. yeah. So not seven.
1: Yeah. I don't know why I thought seven. Seven is a lot. Yeah. Seven is a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, Minnesota... Minnesota's in a strange place, man. They're in a strange place. The front office is, is running. It's a mess right now. And cat, they're going to run Cat out of town, honestly. D-Lo was a Band-Aid. Winning fixes everything, and they have to start winning. And hopefully this Indian guy can change the face. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Gupta. Gupta can change the face. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Gupta can change the face. You know, hopefully. I don't know, Chris Finch. <laughs> the players seem like they like Chris Finch. So. Yeah, they do. If Goomba wants to win, hopefully he keeps Finch because the players really vibe to Chris Finch. And if not, then that's just gonna put a different (laughs) narrative to the players, you know. So Minnesota's, oh man, I feel bad for them, dog. They give me a headache, man.
0: Media day is Monday, so you know we're gonna get press conferences from Cat and you know the front office, the coaches. So we'll see where everybody stands on this. It's gonna be a huge day for Timberwolves fans, but. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how to feel about this really. I'm not sure if this was a good or bad move. This is one of those moves that Tom is going to tell. Yep. You know, because it you could think Rosas was really good and they were trending in the right direction, but maybe Gupta's better. You know, you're not sure you're <laughs> not, you're, not, you're not sure. He could be better.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, we'll see. Minnesota I don't know, man. Minnesota's crazy. <laughs> maybe,
0: maybe that Indian guy can Yeah, <laughs> that shit is hilarious, bro.
1: <laughs> I mean, they did bring in Pat Beth. They are still trying to get Ben Simmons, but Minnesota fans do not want to give up d They shouldn't. I wouldn't want to. But, you know, I, Malik Beasley is the only guy you would probably give up for Ben Simmons. But
0: it's really about, do you think Ben Simmons is better than d
1: I don't even think it's about that. Because D-Lo is there for Cat.
0: Yeah, I know. But even, you, sometimes you got to make hard decisions. So Well, it's, who, who's going to bring more to the team? I mean, realistically, if if you do have Ben and you have floor spacers like Beasley and Pat Bev with Cat, but, uh, but,
1: but this is
0: that could be better.
1: But this is see th- that's the thing. This is Ben if he has a new mindset. You're bringing in when you I think
0: even Ben how he played last season. Not playoff Ben, but like regular season Ben.
1: I mean, that's they don't want playoff Ben.
0: I mean, they got to make the playoffs first to get playoff Ben.
1: That's true. You know, I would I would want to keep Delo
0: me too. I would want to too.
1: Uh, it depends
0: because I think Ben fills that four spot. Yeah, because I think people are expecting Ben to be this primary ball handler. When
1: who does you want Pat Bev at the one?
0: No, I'm just saying like I think people expect Ben to be this kind of LeBron esque Luka Doncic primary ball handler and, and be kind of play like Giannis. When you know Gilbert Arenas mentioned that on on his show, and we are you know how I feel about Gilbert Gilbert Arenas takes uh are terrible. Yeah, where I think Ben Simmons is more of a complimentary player. So I think he's more of a secondary playmaker. So mm-hmm. I think that's why having Delo there still would be better because if you trade Delo for Ben, you're basically telling Ben, we want you to run the team. Yep. And I'm not sure if he can run a team. That's kind of the big question mark with him. He's not right aggressive now. enough. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what goes on. Uh, the Mavericks also made a little bit of a change to their front office. Bob Vulgaris and the Mavericks will part ways. And this was a big storyline in the offseason because earlier in the offseason, there were reports of him running the organization and being a shadow GM. The reason why some speculated Don Nelson and Rick Carlisle left was because of Volgaris, and he was a director of quantitative research, which basically just means he was an analytic guy and he would give his input on what trades or players to draft and stuff like that. And This could be a chance for a culture shift within the Dallas Mavericks organization. At least I think so. I don't think there's too much to talk about this with. You know, I just put it in there because I think it's some newsworthy stuff. But something also happened with the Mavericks, right? ESPN's top 100 list came out. They already named the top 10 players in the NBA. And Luka ranked fourth on that list over Steph Curry, over James Harden, over Anthony Davis, over Damon Bede and Jokic. Now, Steph Curry, I think I already know how you feel about that. I think I already know I already know that you think Steph is better than Luka. I'm not going to ask you. But do you think Luka warranted being above James Harden on this list? Because this has been a debate on Twitter.
1: Well, first, let me start by saying good for the get, getting him out of Bulgaria. I think we talked about it. We did or, talk, we talked it, about When we yeah. was like, we're, he's probably going to be gone.
0: You talk about everything.
1: Yeah. So yeah, definitely, they're definitely having a shift. No, I do not believe Luka is better than James Harden. I think James Harden is the sixth best pa- basketball player in the league. I think with Kawhi being out, he is now the fifth best basketball player in the league. I think Luka is right behind Harden. I think people forget what Harden was doing last year. When Kevin Durant and Kyrie weren't playing, and then when Kyrie came back, and then when KD came back, I think people forget who Harden has been even before those two, carrying the Rockets, going into the playoffs, giving Golden State fit, something LeBron could not do to Kevin Durant Warriors. He was giving them absolute hell. I think what people are doing with Luka is, you know, they're just hyping him up to be the face of the league, you know, trying to brand him fourth best player in the league. I don't know. I don't think, I think you can make an argument, but I still think guys like Steph and Harden have the case because of the fact that, you know, they have cemented themselves as one of the greatest players in basketball.
0: They're not hyping up Luka Doncic. They're not hyping up Luka to be the face of the league. He is the face of the league and there's no doubt about it. And if this was a ranking based off the last three seasons, okay, Harden is above Luka where I push back on that is Harden. We know in the regular season, averaging 24 and 11, basically he was phenomenal. We know Harden is a great player. He's one of my favorite of all time. He is my favorite player of all time, but Luka, man, he, he reminds me a lot of James Harden, but Luka is James Harden plus the playoff performance. Like Luka Doncic is what James Harden is in the regular season but the difference is that Luka takes it to another level in the playoffs where James Harden either stays the same or drops his production and efficiency. Luka is basically 28-9-9. Nine and nine. He improved his defense, and he upped his 3-point percentage to 35% on eight attempts last season, and he takes some deep-range threes even deeper than what James Harden takes, which is crazy to say. Luka in the playoffs so far, in his first-round series, Combining those games, which amounts to thirteen games, has averaged thirty three point five points per game, eight point eight rebounds, nine and a half assists, shot four, shoots forty nine percent from the field and thirty nine percent from three. Took the Clippers to six games with Porzingis, then to seven this past playoffs without having much help. He went berserk against the against the Clippers. Harden's best playoff run was. 18 19 season, he averaged 31.6 points per game, seven assists, seven rebounds, shot 41% and 35% from the three. When we talk about efficiency, Luka is far better than Harden in the playoffs. When we talk about production, your points and assists and rebounds, and even limiting turnovers, Luka is better than Harden in the playoffs. You know James Harden is my favorite player, but and it saddens me to say this. But don't you value regular season more? <laughs> to an extent, okay. To an extent, All right. this is this is why I look, because I know why you're saying that because R.J. Barrett. We have our debates. No, oh,
1: just Jackson, because Harden. I no, I get regular season. it. The
0: difference is that when we could like, I'm just gonna talk about the R.J. Barrett point a little okay. bit. R.J. Barrett played great in the regular season, mm. and. In the playoffs, he didn't play too good. But because of that, people are putting Kevin Herter over him. The gap between RJ and Herter in the regular season is such a gigantic gap Mm -hmm. that it doesn't warrant you putting Herter over RJ because of the playoffs. But with Harden and Luka, the gap in the regular season is not too far. And in the playoffs, the gap between Luka and Harden is far to where I'm like, Luka's the guy. Like, You know, I'm a James Harden fan. And I'm speaking to all James Harden fans out there right now. You know that when James Harden gets into the playoffs, there's always this feeling amongst us, James Harden's fans, that he might lay an egg. He might not, he might have a horrible game. With Luka, I don't even question it. I know Luka's coming into play, I know Luka's about to drop 40. I know Luka is going to put on a show. I don't have to worry about Luka not performing because I know he is. With James Harden, there's always that feeling. Even though our mind tries to tell us he'll be fine in our hearts, in our souls, there is a feeling of doubt with James Harden in the playoffs. And that's the difference between Luka and Harden. Luka, I'm getting that great regular season production, and that ability to carry a team to the playoffs, and I'm getting all-time great performances in the playoffs, and that's something you don't get from Harden.
1: So where would you put Harden in the league right now?
0: It's probably just behind Luka. Just behind Luka. Because I think he's better than Jokic. I think he's better than Embiid and Dame. So it's really, for me, it's LeBron, not in order. LeBron, Giannis, Steph,
1: are you putting Kawhi in that in that list?
0: You, you, he was injured, so you didn't want to put him there.
1: Okay, so we're taking Kawhi out. But I'm saying what like Katie? Katie. Okay, so Katie. Luka.
0: Harden. Okay, that's interesting. So she's yeah, it's probably fifth six. Harden is probably fifth six.
1: It's just you know it's it's tough because they're virtually like the same type of player. You know, guys who demand the ball, make plays for others. You know, they've been in the same situations before. You know, one man show. I just I watched Luka play. Against the Clippers, you know me. I watched, I'm a Paul George fan. I watched every single game, and you know, the counting stats do look great, but he reminds me of Harden in this sense. His play and his impact diminishes every quarter as it goes. He, in the fourth quarter, and I think, and it's not because he's not great, it's because obviously the team isn't good. He has to carry a load. Yeah, he he starts to get tired, he has to carry a load, and that's why he reminds me of Harden in that aspect where he starts to diminish and his body starts to wear on him. But you didn't say anything where it's like, you know, the regular season is close. I'm away harder no more because he's been in the MVP conversation a lot longer. He's, he's putting up 35 points a game. But playoff performances, you know, although Luka hasn't made it out the first round yet, you know, his numbers in the first round against a playoff caliber team, a championship caliber team has been phenomenal. And it's hard to really argue that. Like, you dead got me on that one. But
0: this is the thing, man, is that what I said was true. I know it's true. <clears throat> What's holding Harden back from being in a conversation with LeBron and KD and Giannis and even Steph is that in the playoffs, he has blunders. Yep. And I mean huge blunders And where we question his regular season. It, all, all the games that he played in the regular season. James Harden has averaged 30 points three times in his career. He's only done it once in the, in the playoffs mm. Harden has averaged 34 points per game and 36 points per game in the regular season before he has never averaged that in the playoffs for like an entirety of the playoffs, not just a playoff series for the entirety of the playoffs. He's never averaged above 34 or 36. The most he's averaged is 31 Luca. He's averaged 32 times in the playoffs. He hasn't done it once in the regular season.
1: So he ups his play.
0: He ups his play tremendously. And I get that quarter argument. I agree with it because numbers back it up that Luka does go down mm-hmm. each quarter. But at least in the first and second, I'm getting Luka barrages. I mean, I'm getting like Father Kamekameha from Luka. <laughs> like this guy is this guy is lifting his team on his back and building a lead. Yeah. You know, we're hard and it, it's – he has that play for the entirety of the game. There isn't a moment in those games where Harden, you say he completely takes over, you know, and obviously there are other things, there are other variables because Harden's passing is amazing too. So he keeps his team in the games like that. But I think Luka over Harden is not a bad take. Like, no. Luka is
1: phenomenal. I, I, like, I'm th- trying to think now. I don't think I can, I can give you a Harden signature moment in the playoffs. Maybe you could help me. I try to remember. I I really can't. You know,
0: in my opinion, Harden's mm. best moment mm. is hitting that game winner over Golden State, which was in the regular season. Uh, damn. But in the playoffs, oh, actually, 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 I do have a signature moment. Are oh, you gonna say the same? You it, say? it was probably game three or game four of the 2019 playoffs when KD and Harden were going back and forth. Harden had 40 that game, and his three point ball kind of ended. I was the game I, I went I
1: went far. I was gonna say 2012 against San Antonio, game five, he hits the step back over Manu Ginobili. No, over Kawhi Leonard. And that puts him up and sends him to the... uh, That was a signature
0: moment too. But yeah, like you can't think of many signature moments that Harden has had. But with Luka, you can think of the game-winning shot against Reggie Jackson. He hit that over Reggie Jackson. You can think of that. You can think about these past playoffs where virtually every game was a signature performance. He was playing lights out. Mm -hmm. With Harden, he'll have... Out of a seven-game series, he'll have three, four good games, great games. But he'll have two where you're like, where was he? And that's what's holding him back hard from these conversations. And getting a championship ring is going to mask a lot of that. You know, When he wins a championship, because he will win with Brooklyn, people are going to forget about those moments. But for now, because he doesn't have one, they are very apparent and they they do stick out a lot. And I, I think putting Luka over Harden is not a high take at all. I actually agree with that list. Over Steph is a little bit, you know, I'll push back a little bit on that. But over Harden, absolutely not. I think he deserves that ranking over him.
1: I, would, I never thought I'd hear today.
0: <laughs> Be, you're hearing it because I'm a Luka fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're hearing it not only because I love Luka, but he's one of my favorite players.
1: So do you agree with the, the top, the, the five in order?
0: Katie's one,
1: I, I, Giannis is two, I LeBron Bron- is three.
0: Uh, I, I agree with the word. I said LeBron's probably not top three. You know, I think Steph is the third. And I would put LeBron at four and Luka at five. Or maybe interchange.
1: So, we, we're pretty in agreement with who's in the five.
0: Yes. Yes. Whether okay. you have Harden or Luka in, at the fifth spot doesn't matter to me. I, I'm cool, whatever. But I do think Luka deserves that right now. He deserves that right now because of his playoff performance. Yeah. They, they have been exceptional. They have been jaw-dropping when you watch him play. And Doc Rivers, uh, some more Ben Simmons news. It feels like whenever we do a basketball episode, we can't do one without talking about Ben Simmons because there's something new that happens with him all the time. Doc Rivers went on first take the other day, and he basically begged for Ben Simmons to come back. He said, we're not going to give up on Ben Simmons. We would love to have Ben Simmons back. These are actually the titles of the videos that ESPN posted to. <laughs> and Ben, of course, has said he does not want to come back. And we know after game seven, when the Sixers lost and Ben Simmons refused to take that shot, a reporter asked Doc, can Ben Simmons be the point guard to a championship team? And Doc Rivers said, I don't know. And in that first take interview, he backtracked and, and, and said, basically, the next day, I told Ben that we could win with you. But, of course, he didn't say that to the public, so that probably still sat bad with Ben. And then in the first take interview, he said that he thinks Ben Simmons can lead the Sixers to a championship or be a part of it at least. So is this a bad look for Doc Rivers and the Sixers basically begging Ben Simmons to come back after throwing his dirt in the name and obviously Ben Simmons attributed to that as well for a while now?
1: Um, It's weird because... You, you, get, you have Ben Simmons. You have Joel Embiid. You get the first seed in the, in the East. You go play Atlanta. You are the heavy favorites. You blow it. Ben Simmons is one of the main reasons why you blow it. You go up. You, you have a post-game interview. Not only does your coach show lack of belief in your ability, your, your duo, your partner, your star partner also shows lack of ability. Then your city loses faith in you and show your lack of ability. Your coach says on the media, that I don't know if we can win a championship with you. I would take that, and I'd be like, all right, I'm out of here. I, I understand why Ben Simmons doesn't want to go back. It's, it It's probably not even has nothing to do with the fans. It's the fact that his star partner in crime and his coach has no belief in his game anymore. Is Doc backtracking? Yes, I believe he is backtracking because the trade— the trade block hasn't been good for them. They haven't been able to get anything good or accept anything. Let's not forget they could have got James Harden. Let's, let's, let's not put that over the tape. They could have got James Harden, baited on that trade. Now you're looking at this, you, you can barely get anything for Ben. And Ben is making it difficult because he's, he's deciding on where he wants to go. So it's like, and he has every right to. Because they the way they disrespected him after that post game. And listen, I'm not going to say Ben is completely Right, you know, he should have took ownership of what he did. He should have took ownership of the fact that he didn't show up. But at the same time, when your star duo, your star partner doesn't believe in you and your coach doesn't believe you, it's a tough situation. Doc is definitely backtracking because now we're in a situation where training camp is about to happen, media day is on Monday, and you have no point guard. You don't have your third star. You don't have one part of your trio. You're now stuck with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. You don't have your guy. Not only do you not have your guy, you don't even have – pieces to fit in and plug in for that guy you know you're missing whatever you're going to get back for that guy so now you're stuck in no man's land without your second best defender without your lead playmaker without your versatile jack of all trades and now you're stuck because in the east where the bulls got better the knicks got better indiana's back healthy Charlotte got better. Miami got better. The Bucs are still here. The Nets are still here the, in an in East where the East, you can make the argument, is deeper than the West. It's more competitive. Now you're stuck in no man's land. Boston's still here. Now you're stuck with just Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. So yeah, he's backtracking because he's trying to get his star back. Whether he told him the next day, I seriously doubt he told him the next day, but whatever. I'm going to give Doc the benefit of the doubt because he has a ring. But other than that, you know, you're just you're going on the media and now. You look you look like a, a female because you're backtracking on what you say. Stand on what you said, and keep it pushing. But now you want to go try beg for him to come back. Even if he come back, he might not even play hundred percent for you guys. So it just looks bad on Doc and the organization and Daryl Morey as a whole.
0: Doc Rivers and Philly are realizing how valuable Ben Simmons is right now, and I don't know what. I don't know what it is with fans and just Twitter and social media when it comes to these athletes and how quickly they forget their value. But you go on Twitter, you go on TikTok, you go on Instagram, you go on YouTube, you go anywhere and you just search up Ben Simmons and you'd read the comments about Ben Simmons. You would think he's not a top 40 player in the league right now. You would think he is not even cracking the top 100 the way that people talk about Ben Simmons. Yep. Ben Simmons is still a very good to great player and has aspects of great in his game. His passing is great. I mean, his defense is great. I mean, he has aspects of greatness in his game. He's not Giannis. He's not LeBron. He's not those guys, not magic. but not, of course not magic, but he's still a very good player. You know, he's still a very good player. He's still very valuable. He was in a DPOI conversation and Philly realizes that. And that's why right now they're upset because the best player they can get back in the trade for Ben is probably Malik Beasley. So, you know, you're you're Philly and you're looking at these trade offers from Cleveland, and they don't they they might not even be willing to give you Darius Garland for Ben. You look at Timberwolves, they don't want to give you Dillo for Ben. You look at the Sacramento Kings. Haley Burden is off the table for Ben. So, and I mean Haley Burden, he's a good player, but a rookie who averaged twelve a game is off the table for a DPOI candidate. I mean, it just goes to show you how far he's sunken. Golden State just said he's not a fit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where where is he going to go? You know, Philly's looking at these trades and saying, "Wow, we can't get nothing back. We, we'll be lucky if we get CJ McCollum for Ben at this point," and Last year, you you look at the 76ers, they could have traded Ben for James Harden. Probably if if the Blazers collapsed, Ben for Dame. Now they can't even sniff a trade like that. And, and that's huge because Philly might end up losing in this situation. Doc Rivers said that they want the, the 76ers and him are going to do everything possible to bring Ben back. Um, but we know how these things play out organizations don't win these disputes. They don't win them. If a player wants out and doesn't want to play for your organization, look at the examples in history. Those players are not going to play for your organization. You know, they're going to win that dispute in the end. And especially knowing Ben Simmons has rich Paul as his, as his agent. Good luck. He's not going to win that at all. Rich Paul always gets the last laugh when it comes to these disputes. <laughs> so and he's married to Adele too, you know. Shout out to him. No, no, Mar- not nah, that's his girlfriend. My bad. Adele, I yeah, Adele, the they're, singer. Yeah, they're actually dating. Yeah, what? yeah. Shout out to him. She's Adele a, made it official. She's a beautiful singer. Yeah, not married. They're 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 official though. Girlfriend and boyfriend though. Okay. So Shout out to Rich Paul for that. Shout out to Rich yeah. Paul for that. Shout for out real. to Rich
1: Paul. He's like great.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you know, Ben Simmons, top ten defender in the NBA, top forty player, one of the best, better playmakers. And, you know, that's why Philly's trying to that's why Philly's trying to beg for him back. And I don't know, man, I don't know how to feel about this either, because Doc Rivers, I think he did a good job with Philly last year. But obviously, you look at his collapse with the Clippers twice, not just once, twice with Chris Paul and Lob City and with PG and Kawhi twice, collapse with them twice. Then you look at with the with Philly and now Ben doesn't want to come back, you know. This is a bad look on Doc. This is a bad look on Philly. This is a bad move. This is a bad look on Daryl Morey, who thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room, and right now he looks like he's about to get played.
1: Looks like he already got played. I mean, I, I I want to see Ben play ball this year, you know. But I listen, he's he is fully stable on being where he wants to be and going for his happiness, and I respect that. At the same time, Doc, you know the way you guys you guys have put his trade value in so much. Both of you, both situations, both both sides. Ben Simmons with his actions and the way he's come out and said, and the way he's handled the situation has put his trade value in the gutter. Same with Doc and how they bashed him as a basketball player, and the same with the fans, they've put his trade stock in in the garbage. So it's like now you're looking at a situation where Doc, you need him back, and Ben, you kind of need Philly too because you can't get out of Philly because nobody really, you're not getting anything good back. So it's kind of a situation where both guys. Both parties need each other. And it's going to be weird to see if he does show up for training camp, honestly.
0: And, and Doc Rivers even mentioned this as well. He said Ben Simmons is still on a huge contract. That's true, but that doesn't matter. doesn't. Like, Ben Simmons can still get out if he wants to. You know, that really doesn't matter in the slightest at all. You mentioned as well, Joel Embiid wasn't too happy with Ben after Game 7, then goes on Twitter and says, I love Ben. You know, so everybody is backtracking on this Ben Simmons situation saga and even for other organizations it's hard for them to trade for ben because of the way fans view ben and fan bases view ben let's say minnesota trades for ben and they do give up d-low timberwolves fans are going to go berserk you know that's not going to sit well with the timberwolves fan base if the kings do trade a darren fox or a Halliburton burden or you know some other players It's not going to bode well for them as well. I think Sacramento likes what they have right now. Same thing with Portland. Same thing with Golden State. If they trade Kaminga and Moody, you know, they might go crazy too. So it's other organizations also having the pressure of the backlash of if they do give too much, the backlash might be too much to handle for them.
1: Listen, Golden State, I didn't see. They already have death threats for Draymond not taking shots. So I can only imagine getting Ben Simmons in a room and seeing him on the court. They're just going to completely lose their minds. Sacramento, they're already a shit show. They give up Fox. They're probably done. They'll probably have to relocate. I don't know where he can go. You know, it's, you got to go back. He has to go back. He has to go back. He has to change the narrative of his name.
0: I wouldn't want to go back to Philly if I was Ben.
1: I wouldn't either, but you got to look at all that. You got to look at all variables. You going to sit out all year? And keep paying the fine? I personally wouldn't keep paying that fine. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Like, what what is he legit going to do? They can't. Golden State already established. You're not a fit. Sacramento, they've said they are not. Tyrese Halliburton is untouchable. You should already know what type of guy you are if he's untouchable and you're better than him. L.A., the Lakers can't do it. The Clippers can't really do it but it would be cool if they could try to finesse but you don't want you're Philly you don't want Eric Bledsoe and Luke Kennard back that's nothing you're trying to win a championship still you haven't beat so what other LA what other California team is there cuz he already said I want to go to Cali that's that's all the teams so he's kind of stuck Minnesota has some good spots but do you really want Malik Beasley?
0: He's a good player but he gets arrested
1: yeah, so he just came out of jail. <laughs> like, is that the type of guy you want to bring in? Like, now you got to deal with the convict instead of Ben Simmons? I, I'd rather just keep Ben Simmons, you know, a diva. It's like, it's they're stuck in this. this.
0: <laughs> deal with a convict.
1: Philly's yeah. stuck, man. They they put themselves in a the hole, and all this could have been avoided <laughs> if Dog just made some adjustments in game six and seven. This could have all been avoided, but. <laughs> deal I, with the
0: convict. Bro, you really got arrested. <laughs> He really,
1: uh, I, I tried to tell yeah too. Yeah, I talking about he didn't go to jail. I'm like, bro, he was dead in jail, bro. Like for like six months, he was really <laughs> in there, bro. Oh man, Malik. I B. heard that
0: he was in jail and they gave him permission to go to the game still. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't even know how that works. It makes sense, but I just don't know how that works. But you pick him up and then drop him back off to of jail. Uh, it's mad weird. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, bro. It, the NBA is crazy. Yeah, Philly's Philly's done. Where, so where do you see them? No Ben Simmons. What we could say, playing
0: six eight. I mean, if Embiid gets hurt, they're a lottery team.
1: Yeah, I think if Tobias gets hurt, they're scratched. They're screaming for a, for a plane. Like, hopefully, we get in because now you're yeah, that's, that's your one two punch. And no offense, Tobias is a good player, but come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. That's why Ben Simmons is so huge for this team. Now you got Tyrese Maxey. He has to take on a big. That's role. why if I was if I was Philly, I would just say, look, Sacramento. All right, Tyrese Halliburton is cool. We don't need him. Just give
1: us Buddy and Davion Mitchell.
0: It give give me Davion. Nah, give me Bagley. Give me Davion or Bagley. Give me Davion with Bagley in a pick and a Terrence Davis. Oh, okay, all right. You know, in a pick and I, I'm gonna be fine.
1: Well, they got to fill the money, so give me Davion Bagley and Harrison Barnes, and we'll be okay with it.
0: That's actually pretty good for Philly. It's a lot of depth.
1: Like, all right, give me give me a three and D defender. But I
0: think Buddy and Davion would be dope too. they can be
1: Buddy and Davion. Okay, you. Throw Marvin Bagley, I'm giving you this guy.
0: I think if you get Buddy, Dave, if you get Buddy, Davion, now you have Davion, Buddy, Tobias, Thibault, Seth and, Embiid, and Seth the Curry I mean, Seth that, still That's like, a great team.
1: Yeah, you got a bunch of shooters. You can build it like Dwight in Orlando. Just put a bunch of shooters around Embiid, let him do what he want. At this point, it's the best you're going to get because you're not getting Fox.
0: A-, a team that has been linked to Ben Simmons are the Houston Rockets. And uh, Houston Rockets fans are not too fond of this. They're mixed. You know, I've seen Rockets fans absolutely hate it and they don't want ben simmons at all and some think it's it's actually pretty good you know john wall and the rockets are working on a trade so john wall will probably most likely be involved in the package if this were to happen and should the houston rockets do this move if it does become available to them uh should they trade for ben simmons and if you were the rockets you're rafael stone right now would you trade for ben simmons
1: I was thinking about this move a lot, honestly. I was thinking about it, oh, last night. I was up to like five in the morning. I was actually playing 2K, and I actually did the move in 2K. I would do it depending on what I have to give up. I feel like a KPG, Jalen Green, Ben Simmons Jay- lineup.
0: What? KPG? Oh,
1: sorry. KPJ, Jalen uh, Green lineup would be crazy with Ben Simmons, you know? But it's just like, we just drafted two bigs, right? We have Christian Wood. We have Jaseem Tate. What, it, what we have? Daniel Tice. What is Jasean Tate? Jason sorry. I'm, Tate. Yeah, I'm, I'm messing up on the names. We have Jasean Tate. What do I have to give up for Ben Simmons? Probably Christian Wood, right? Christian Wood will probably have to go in that deal.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think so. You think? Who would go? I think it's, it's really just John Wall, bro. I think it's I think it's John Wall picks and. Maybe like Kenyon Martin Jr., you know some if guy.
1: If I could, if if that was the deal, John Wall, Kenyon K, uh, Martin Jr., maybe and a Eric bunch Gordon. Of picks, that's too much money.
0: That is a lot of money. That's like sixty million dollars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I can just do that, to John Wall, Kenyon Martin, and a bunch of picks, I would do it. You put Christian Wood, Ben Simmons, Jalen Green, KBJ, on the floor. Have a bunch of shooters around Ben Simmons play a one and one four out. That'd be dope. I, I I like that. You bring in some defense. Ben Simmons is still young. He's actually younger than Christian Wood. So I, I would do that deal. But if you have to do more, if you have to give up your young guys, any of the young guys, I wouldn't do it.
0: When we look at the Rockets, it's really, I think KPJ, Jalen Green, and Christian Wood, to me, are the untouchables. Yep. They're the untouchables. So, Looking at their roster, so Daniel House could go, Eric Gordon, wow. uh Uzman Garuba, even him. Uh. Would you trade Josh Christopher? Yeah. Yeah. Josh Christopher could yeah. <laughs> Josh Christopher could go. Would even you though, trade
1: Sengoon? I'm asking
0: you that. <laughs> uh I don't think you'd have to because they have Embiid and, and Drummond now, so you wouldn't have to. Yeah. So they have some guys that could probably trade, even though I, I do think it'd probably be John Wall. And you're right, I mean thinking about a lineup where they have KPJ, Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Simmons, and Christian Woods, uh, Christian Wood. And even if you don't have Tate, like let's say House or Eric Gordon are on the Eric start Gordon of lineup. Perfect. You know, that is a really good team. And that sounds like a team that could be in the playoffs in the West. You know, I think Christian Wood averaging 20. Playoffs
1: is a stretch. Play no, I don't play. think so.
0: I, I think Christian Wood averaging 22 and 10. KPJ averaging... Know, but do you know what the playoffs is th- now?
1: It's like you got to get to the sixth seed, bro.
0: Look, <laughs> let's just think about it. All right, Christian ahead. Wood, 22 and 10. Ben Simmons, I think, in a five-out system where he's a ball handler, if that is Houston, he could give you like 18, 8, and 8. You know, KPJ giving you like 17 and 19. Jalen Green as a rookie, 15 to 16 is solid for him. You know, I think... It could be a play in playoff team, you know. Obviously, I think their seating wouldn't be like fifth or higher. It'd probably be like six to eight, right? Uh, even probably seven to eight range. But I, I do think that's a playoff team. I mean, you look at Houston right now: KPJ, Jalen Green, and Wood. They're really good offensive players, but in terms of defense, are not great defensively. And Simmons gives them an additional playmaker on top of elite defense, which they lack right now. And Like I mentioned before, just a year ago, we were talking about getting Ben Simmons for James Harden. Mm. James Harden, who's the second best Houston Rocket of all time. And now you're telling me you can get him for John Wall? And John Wall is not going to play the entire season regardless? And you can still get Ben Simmons. And I think some Rockets fans that don't like this move are looking at it in in the aspect of Ben Simmons is going to ruin KPJ's development. And Jalen Green. And Jalen Green a little bit slightly. It could happen, but that's what I've been saying. You know, yeah, it, it could happen. And you're, you're probably not wrong in that aspect. It probably will affect him a little bit. And Ben Simmons is a really good player still. But think about it. This is the lowest Ben Simmons values is gonna be ever, probably. Right? So you can get him for a John Wall and a couple picks and maybe just a throw in young player. What if Ben Simmons' ball is out for Houston? What if they make the playoffs? Now, if Raphael Stone is looking at it and is saying, you know what? I like how Ben Simmons fits with the Rockets. I'm going to keep him. Or he can say, I want to trade Ben Simmons. Now his value after leading the Rockets to a play-in is at an all-time high. And now you can trade him for multiple picks and a player on top of that. Now you can flip Ben Simmons. And this is easy. This is easy flipums, man. This is like a game of drug dealing right here. At this point, it's just an easy flip. You can flip Ben Simmons. I mean, it, it's a really an easy flip if you think about it. If you think Ben Simmons can be good with the Rockets, and I think the only fear with this move is that you risk the Rockets risk what they've been, what they're trying to build with their young core. That's the only risk. But realistically, the Rockets have went. Since James Harden has gotten into the Rockets, they have went from the playoffs every single year to the one sole year when they didn't have Harden getting Jalen Green and now a year later going back to the playoffs with Ben or even fighting for a spot. So realistically, like it's not like the Rockets have been rebuilding this young core forever and it's kind of been like a two, three year process and you risk it by having Ben come in. I mean, this thing is just getting started. And we've seen in the past before that young players, even though you fear that Ben Simmons takes away their touches or whatever like that, young players benefit from winning first and foremost. Yep. Look at Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown with Boston, his first seasons in Boston's first two seasons was not a big factor on those teams, but they made the playoffs, and he got better and got that experience. Young players benefit a lot from winning. What the Rockets don't want to be is a Sacramento where you have this insane group of young talent but you never make the playoffs. You know, they can, they can probably make a push with Ben and that would be dope because I, th- that five-man lineup that I named is exceptional. And another, another point is that Kevin Porter Jr. is an insane talent. There's no doubting that. And the fear that Ben Timmons is going to stun his development is warranted. I get it. But KPJ Before getting to Houston was a guy you couldn't rely on, Mm -hmm. was a guy that's issues with mental health and outside of basketball did hinder his production on the court and even sometimes didn't show up. I mean, KPJ for 20, 20 games, about 20 games was good with the Rockets. But has he shown to this point that you can rely on him for 82 or 72 plus KPJ has not shown that yet? Like we know he's talented, but he's not shown that yet. Like Ben Simmons, regardless of what you want to say about him, like right now it shows that you can't rely on him because he doesn't want to show up to training camp. But for the majority of his career, he has been a guy you could rely on. So if you're worried about KPJ's development versus Ben, because of Ben Simmons, I think it's a little bit short-sighted because KPJ has not proved anything past 20 games that he can be reliable long-term.
1: I don't even think Ben Simmons is a stunt that growth because it's like, what has he shown you in Philly that he stunts anybody's growth other than his own?
0: I mean, the, just let's name it. You know, Matisse Thibault's coming to his own. Yep. Uh, Landry Shamit, when he was with Philly, was playing awesome. The best basketball, I think. Tyrese
1: Maxey came into his own.
0: Tyrese Maxey came into his own as well. Uh, just we could just name a couple players. I mean, we could name Seth a Curry more. had a
1: career year with Philly.
0: Exactly. That's also that's. Joel mb had there. his
1: best year alongside Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris is finally consistent.
0: And Jalen Green, when you watch him in the G League, he wasn't playing. He wasn't hogging the ball. He doesn't. He was coming a lot of. He was coming off of a lot of curls and screens. And Ben and, will pass you the yeah, ball. Yeah, and and Ben can be that player that can. Work with Jalen Green coming off those screens, so that could be a good fit. It's really about the KPJ fit. You know, that's really what it is.
1: But Ben is okay not being the initial ball handler. That's what, That's what. like, uh, I I get that he stunts his own growth, but when Rockets fans talk about he stunting anybody else's, I don't even see that. I think he'll just, from where he plays in Philly, he's only aided in helping other guys get better, and that's shown. Nobody's nobody's growth has been stunted with Ben Simmons, so that's a weird thing to say I think he'll only help them. I mean, he's he walks in and instantly helps your defense by far because of the fact that how great he is defensively and then KPJ can still run the one. Ben Simmons on offense, a lot of the times played the 4 and was the screener. So in Philly, so it's I don't I don't understand what they're saying. Like a lot of times he was the pick and roller. He was the guy who would hit you on the pin down. He could do that for Jalen Green who set the screen. So it's and he'll probably play big man for Houston anyways on offense so I think that'd be a good move it's really a honestly if you can just give him for John Wall and a bunch of picks I'd do it in a heartbeat because you're giving up nothing for him realistically
0: Um, let's just think of let's just think of this right here right because without Ben if the Rockets don't get a Ben Simmons and and they run they run this upcoming season with this lineup that they have right now realistically they're probably a bottom team in the West they're probably a bottom team in the West with Ben Simmons they are not. No. They are a they, like. They are a lock to be a playing team. Playing team. Like there's no doubt about it. They're a lock to be a playing team. So if you're a Rockets fan, it's really about thinking of it from this perspective. Do you want to play the long game and bank on KPJ and bank on Jalen Green and bank on Christian Wood, or do you want to just have success now yep. because you can have that success now with Ben and these guys can still get better. Jalen Green, he's a rookie. He's 19. Jalen Green is not going to be. Jalen Green, until like his third, fourth year in the league. You know, he's going to be a great scorer. He's going to be like a 16-point-per-game scorer, probably his rookie year. Maybe he can reach 20. Even that is like, that's going to be hard. Maybe he can do it, but he won't be like that top 10 scorer in the league until like four or five years from now, right? KPJ, we'll see if he can build off his previous season. I think he can. But realistically... Where's the ceiling? You know, if you're a Rockets fan, you're going to start seeing success with this group three, four years from now, probably three. I'll say three, right? With Ben, you can see it immediately. You can see it to the point where this year you guys are a playing team. Next year, you can be a, a, like a really hot playoff team, or you can make the playoffs and have a lock in the playoffs with KPJ. Having another year to develop would having more chemistry and Jalen green being in his second season. And like I mentioned before, Ben Simmons, this is the lowest, this is the lowest, you can get Ben Simmons for pennies right now. Yep. This is an easy flip. This is paid in full. Yeah. I mean, you can, you you trade for Ben Simmons, you can flip him next year, you can get a star player, like a legitimate star for him. So, I mean, it's all about what they want to do. I think, I can see it from both, both, both perspectives. So I can see it from both sides. But mm-hmm. I'll pick a side right now and I'll say that I think The Rockets should go after Ben Simmons. Me too. Uh, You know, I I think my gut feeling is telling me they should do it. It's the one. It it would be a good move for them.
1: If it's just John Wall and one more young player like a Josh Christopher or Kenny Al Martin Jr. or even just Sean Tate.
0: I mean, yeah, I would throw Jayshawn Tate in there in a heartbeat. Bye.
1: Like, (laughs) No offense, you're good, but bye. Like, throw some picks in there. Cool, we could have this. Because then
0: Eric Gordon could start there. And I mean, that's a legit playoff team. I mean, like that's a threat every night against teams. It's a tough team, but man. KPJ, Jalen Green, Eric Gordon, Ben Simmons, Wood. I mean, Eric, you have with Ben Simmons, Gordon, Porter, and Green, you have four guys who can get a bucket at any time. Well, not I guess Ben, you don't put him in that category. Oh no! But you have four playmakers. You have four initiators, which is huge for an offense. It's huge for shot creation.
1: They're clowns, man. What are you, what are you holding down John Wall for, bro? It it really just depends on Philly, man. If Philly's willing to accept John Wall and a young guy, you know. But at this rate, I feel like at this point you still kind of get the perimeter defense with John Wall, and you still get the, you get a slightly less better playmaker.
0: You get somebody who could play with beat well.
1: Mm-hmm. He just can't shoot, but he'll take the shot. So that's that's one thing you wanted. So it's just the only thing with John Wall is his injury history is just like Joel and Beats. He's he gets hurt a lot. So that's the risk.
0: And that could blow up in Philly's face.
1: It's gonna blow up regardless.
0: So Zion Williamson, there was a <laughs> there was a viral video that surfaced about him and the person who posted this video was Step Back Ash. I think it's I think it's Ash or it's pronounced H. I don't know.
1: Sorry, uh Josh Gordon has been reinstated that's into cool.
0: the league. That's cool like this and happened like three times it does but step back H or Ash posted this video on Twitter and, and I mentioned his name because he's a he's a big supporter of the podcast he's a big supporter of the podcast he's reposted our videos a couple times now so shout out to you bro and he posted a video of Zion Williamson at a baseball game walking and Zion appeared to look overweight and a bit out of shape uh I believe you quote tweeted the tweet and said Zion looks fat yeah. Yeah, so you you co-tweeted it and you gave your input on that as well. And are you worried about Zion after seeing that video surface of him appearing to be overweight? Are you worried about it?
1: His play? No, cuz he came into overweight last year. Well, not last year, his rookie season. He came in overweight. So he but the way, I don't know, like when I was watching the video, he kind of looked like a little Shaq. You know how when Shaq came into the season's overweight and then he kind of just played it off? Zion did look a little big and a little fat in them clothes, but to his play, no, he's gonna play phenomenal. He's gonna play exceptional. The only thing that worries me is his injuries. Like that's a lot of weight on your knees, and he need like he's a guy who gets bouncy. He jumps high. He uses his athleticism a lot. So the only thing that would concern me is his injuries. Like he's been a guy who hasn't been able to play a full season yet. So being that heavy and playing that type of style doesn't always fit the injury history so that can be something that's bad and I worry for his training staff like who's, who's the guys that are training him who's he working with what is his agent doing like why is he that type of weight at this type of the season training camp is in what two weeks less than a week why are you at that weight why are you coming into training camp like that Zion should have been working he should be extremely fit but other like aside from stuff like that I'm not worried about his play he's gonna put up 25, 8, and 5 religiously whether he's fat or not because he's just that great of a player
0: I think this should be the least of anybody's concerns. I think Zion just averaged 27 on all-time great efficiency in the paint. This does not worry me in the slightest. I think Zion knows how to take care of his body. Uh, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to judge him uh, for that because, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe that video was just a bad angle. Maybe it just was a bad clip. Maybe he's not even overrate. You know, yep. as you never know. So could have been the clothes, could have been the baggy clothes. He doesn't know how to dress very well, so it could have been that. <laughs> You know.
1: But you did say fat people wear baggy clothes. That's true. <laughs> you did say and those were baggy That's cause clothes. That's because they're comfortable. Yeah. Baggy
0: clothes are comfortable for fat people, that is true. Those, those clothes were baggy clothes. For skinny style. people, it could be comfortable too. You never know. Too much space. I think Zion's body type is those uh, were baggy as hell clothes. Zion's body type is uh, a baggy, baggy style yeah. body type, you know.
1: Type would just look real weird.
0: I mean Zion, but like I said, you know, Zion doesn't know how to dress, so <laughs> it's like you just look at his outfits, he he's just He's just a low profile dude. He's not really worried about his outfit much. I'm actually more worried about the Pelicans front office than I am about anything Zion weight related because they have called David Griffin, Griffin Krause, Mm. referencing to Jerry Krause. And he basically ruined the Chicago Bulls. Krause
1: got six of them days.
0: I mean, that's true. Griffin has nothing to show for nothing. I mean, outside of Cleveland and stuff, right? But I'm worried about that because Zion could become the first rookie to deny a rookie contract extension and his extension based on how he played could be upwards to 100 to 200 million dollars you think he does that though I think Zion does and I think
1: he takes the money and requires then requests a trade-off
0: in fact I do I think Zion Williamson is going to be the first rookie mm-hmm. to deny a rookie extension of that amount of money
1: that'd be retarded you think so you can just request a trade you can get your money and then go get out i don't see leaving that type of money on the table and denying it you know i think Zion
0: can get that money anywhere
1: you can't you can't get the same money because that's that's the team that um drafted him only the unless, team that he, drafted unless
0: him. he gets an all nba super maxed
1: that's the only team that will be able to acquire that that amount of money That'd be insane. That would be an indictment on how bad the Pelicans front office is.
0: But Zion in, can get all that back in endorsements with New York. With the Knicks.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) So I'm assuming you think he's going to New York.
0: It's not about if, it's about when. Mm. Zion is going to be a New York Knick sooner rather than later and RJ Barrett and him are going to team up Mm -hmm. and they're going to finish their unfinished business when in Duke they didn't win a championship. So, Both of them want to win a championship, and they want to do it with the Knicks, for the Knicks, and bring a championship back to the city of New York. Mm -hmm. How long is this going to take? I say, look, (laughs) the 2000s decade, that was dominated by the Spurs, right? And, you know, who else? Who won? The Warriors.
1: What are you talking about? 2000s? 2000s decade. Spurs, Lakers, Boston.
0: The 2000s decade was dominated by the Spurs, Lakers. Boston won a chip in that. Detroit won a chip too. The 2010s decade was mostly dominated by the Warriors, but also you had the big three Miami Heat. Spurs, Caps. Yeah, so the 2020s decade is going to be dominated by the New York Knicks because we're building a good culture, and Zion wants to come to New York. He's already said MSG is his favorite place to play. So Zion is coming to New York. Luka, he said he wants to come to New York too. So I'm just saying, we're looking six years, five six years from now. We're looking at a Zion Luca dynamic duo with the Knicks right now. So no RJ, RJ is going to be that third. It's going gonna, gonna to be a big three. It's going to be Luca, Zion, RJ, and we're going to win multiple championships. That's interesting. Okay, it's going to be in 2020s decade that we oh, do that. Oh my geez.
1: I don't know about the Luca part. Zion's way more realistic than Luka. I think Zion does have a chance to go to the New York Knicks though. That'd be. Freaking crazy for you guys, honestly.
0: But David David Griffin called. I mean, David Griffin has been called Griff Kraus, and him and Zion barely talk. Zion wanted Lonzo back. He didn't get him back, right? Pelicans have, and also like Pelicans, they've made good moves this off season. I like them, but most of their moves have been. Most of the moves have been trying to make up for the bad moves they made the previous offseason. like offloading Bledsoe, offloading Steven Adams. you yep. And that's really what it was. And now they have made some good moves, but really it's just a band-aid, right? It's a bigger problem. Zion Williamson's family is already unhappy with the Pelicans. I think this is ine- inevitable. And I think Zion does become the first player to not accept that rookie extension. and might you know He might even ask to get traded before then. Imagine. That'd be insane. Imagine bro. if Zion gets asked to get traded this upcoming year. On a rookie deal? On a rookie deal. And then we trade Emmanuel quickly for him.
1: He's on a rookie deal, so you don't have to give up much. That'd be insane.
0: Imagine we trade like quickly and Mitchell Robinson and like Like four picks. Yeah. That'd be insane.
1: It's it's the Pelicans are about to drive out another generation of talent. They already drove out Anthony Davis. They're about to do it to Zion. And it would just be like after Zion, what else is there gonna be? You know, nobody's gonna want to go to play for New Orleans. They thought David Griffin was gonna change the environment. He has not. The fact that you don't speak to your star player is very, very weird to me. I, I don't understand the concept there. You're supposed to have a connection, a relationship with your star player, because the job is to make him happy. You see Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic, they have a relationship. They under they understand each other. Like you still you saw LeBron, Pat Riley, D. Wade, Pat Riley, they had an understanding, they had a relationship like you're supposed to have a relationship with your star players, bro. Steph Curry, Bob Myers. Like, it's that certain relationship that you have. That's what keeps guys happy, keeps guys in organizations, keeps the stars in organizations for a long time. And, David, the fact that you don't speak to Zion, New Orleans is a shit show.
0: Yeah, we'll see how all this plays out. It doesn't feel like it's going to be a good ending, though. No. It could, though. You I, mean, I never know. They should have just gave the Knicks the first overall pick, bro. I swear. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at that point. But then we wouldn't have RJ. Good. You have Zion. What the hell? I, I want both, though.
1: Yeah, but come on. Like, don't. I mean, you should have got two. You could have got i I'm Jai. selfish. Would you rather have two, one, or three in order? What would it have been? What do you mean? Like, uh, you had one, two, three. You had to put which pick would you have the most? Which one would you rather have?
0: So you're telling me between Zion, John, RJ?
1: Yeah. Like, if you had two, would you still have picked RJ or would you pick Ja?
0: I'm picking Ja. Oh, you're a smart guy. I thought you yeah. picked RJ.
1: Thank God.
0: I'm Whew. picking Ja. Good move. But RJ could be better long term.
1: He could be, but I feel like Zion and Ja would have been crazier.
0: I think John Randall pick and roll would be cool. Be dope.
1: Of course. Ja, different.
0: Yeah, he would have been great. I, I'm not going to, because the thing about it is, like, Ja just has an explosive play style to the point that he puts butts in the seats more than RJ can. Like, RJ is a good player, but he plays stiff. Yeah, Like, Ja Morant would really bring electricity back to the garden.
1: Yeah, the garden would be pretty lit with him in there.
0: I want you all to myself, I swear. <laughs> and that's why I want Zion. and I wanted Zion and RJ. We're, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. But not too soon. So that that does it for all the topics that we have on this show. But we are going to answer some questions that people have asked us on TikTok. So we're doing something new where people on TikTok ask us questions on that like Q&A section. And then we just answer it here and we post the video on TikTok It. It is great for us having content to post on TikTok because most of the time it's just me trying to find what would work best or this is better because it's like direct questions so we can answer it, right? So it's a little bit better. Also, Drew wasn't on the show today. I mentioned it last show that he has like a bunch of homework and exams and stuff coming up. So he's not going to be on the show for like two weeks. So we've we've actually have people to fill in. JC's coming next week on Friday. Uh, Isn't he still in Chicago? He's coming back. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have a friend, Marquise, who's a childhood friend who is supposed to come in on Tuesday. I believe we'll see. He has a lot of hot takes for you guys. Oh God! Yeah, it's gonna be a funny show. You guys want to be there for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have people fill in while Drew is gone and working on his stuff. You know, we wish the best for him. Hope he passes. Yeah. You know, school comes first. So hopefully, you know, he gets what he does. And he better not come he does here what and he, say does. he fails. Yeah, he better pass.
1: Yeah, or he's done. Yeah.
0: So we support him whatever Tom he needs. So, you know, right now, of course, he's a in nursing school, so that's a lot of notes and stuff. So he guys he has to past that. So that's why that's what we're gonna do moving forward. And let's get on to these questions. How many we got today? Three. Okay. Three people uh answered so far. There's that that video I posted, I just posted it, it has four comments. Three of the comments were questions. Okay. The fourth one was somebody saying clown. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So first question, B Paul seventeen. Who has the higher ceiling, Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham?
1: I'm gonna go with Cade because he's more versatile in his offensive game and on defense. He's a, already a great team defender. He can get ball he can get better as a perimeter defender. He's a great playmaker. He's already developed that jump shot and he still has ways to go to be an efficient finisher, but he has more in his bag in terms of all around game. So I'm gonna go with Cade.
0: Look, I'm going with – oh, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. So, look, Jalen Green is a phenomenal scorer. I think he can be one of the top scorers in the league one day. But Cade Cunningham is so versatile. He can pass. He can rebound. He can score. And he's a very good team defender. You just can't teach 6'8". Like, Cade is 6'8". and can handle the ball at an effective level. You can't teach that. Jalen Green, I think, is more in the mold of a Bradley Beal – where Tatum is more in the mold of, I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm stumbling. Jalen Green is more in the mold of a Bradley Beal, where Cunningham is more in the mold of a Jason Tatum, Luka. I think he's more Tatum than Luka, Mm. but still I do think Kate has a higher ceiling than Jalen Green. Now next question is, what's the difference? So, okay, brace yourself for this. So what's the difference between MVP and best player?
1: <laughs> the best, all right. So an MVP. In, I think this is easy. Well, in my opinion, the MVP is just who was the who was the best player for that regular season. But I think the who's the best player is who's consistently been on top of the game for a number amount of years.
0: So look, I, I think this is an e- this is an easy question because MVP is just who was who had the best season that year, yeah. right? Look at it this past year, Nikola Jokic. He had the best season this past year along with Embiid, but Embiid, of course, was hurt. But we know Jokic or Embiid, they're not better than Giannis. They're not better than KD. They're not better than LeBron or Steph. We know either KD or Giannis or LeBron are the best players in the NBA, and Jokic and Embiid are not there. And I think this question stems from that Derrick Rose debate that we had, right, where we we listed 10 players that are better than D. Rose. Some people disagree, but... That's besides the point. Derrick Rose, when he won MVP, wasn't the best player in the league. It was LeBron. LeBron was the best. The reason they didn't give LeBron the award was because he didn't have the better season in D-Rose. Statistically, he did, though. Yeah. But it's because LeBron just came off of not winning a championship and choking in the finals. They didn't give it to him. But even that year, LeBron, Kobe, D-Wade, they were better than Derrick Rose that year. I mean, Kevin Durant was better than Derrick Rose. When Derrick Rose won the MVP in 2011, he wasn't even a top five player in the league. What? He wasn't.
1: What you talking about, bro? LeBron,
0: is LeBron better than him? Yeah. Okay. That's my problem. Miami LeBron, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he's better. Okay. KD. Yeah. He's better. Carmelo Anthony. Debatable. Kobe Bryant. Valid. Dwight Howard. Valid. Dwayne Wade.
1: Those are the, okay.
0: Dirk Nowitzki coming off of finals MVP. We we talk about the end of
1: that season?
0: The end of that season, yeah.
1: Okay. Those are debatable. So he was definitely top eight, though.
0: Uh, he was top eight, but, like, what I'm saying is, like, okay, this is Bleacher Report's top players from the 2010-2011 season, or it was the it was the start of 2011-2012? No, I think Rose won it the 2010-2011 season. No, I know season. he won it,
1: but was that list based, like, after the season?
0: Yes. So, okay. I'm getting Bleach Report right now there. What the hell?
1: Where they haven't ranked. Okay. My boy, Josh Allen.
0: I'm looking at this right now. Okay. So, I think I got the official list. So, Bleach Report in. 2010, 2011 released their top 10 players list in the NBA. They actually released top 50 players, and
1: I'm yeah, scroll- yeah, we don't care about the other I'm players.
0: scrolling down to get where Derrick Rose is at. So Derrick Rose came in 12th. Who's in, who's in front of Ray? John Rondo was in front. That's ridiculous. Okay, so who's 10? Paul Gasol was 10. Dirk Nowitzki eleven. Debatable. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki nine. That's
1: that's debatable. That's valid. Carmelo
0: Anthony eight. That's debatable. That's a valid. One. That was when he was still on Denver. Too.
1: Yeah, that's a valid one. Darren
0: Williams Jazz. No. Dwight Howard. That's valid. Chris Paul. Debatable. But that's valid. Yeah. Dwayne Wade.
1: That's a valid argument.
0: Kevin Durant. Yeah. LeBron. Yeah. Kobe. Yeah. So
1: what I'm well, saying is that well, Darren Williams, Rondo. But what I'm saying that. is that
0: the year Derrick Rose won MVP, he wasn't even a top five player. Kobe was better. LeBron was better. Dwayne Wade was better. Chris Paul was better. He is the point guy for a reason. That was prime Chris Paul before he went and changed the Clippers as a franchise. Um, Dwight Howard was better as well. Dirk Nowitzki off of finals was better. So, you know, I think, yeah, Derrick Rose wasn't a top five player. Kevin Durant was better. So Derrick Rose was top eight, but he wasn't top five even when he did win MVP. And that's the difference between MVP and best player. Best player is who's the best player in the league. We know every year it's either LeBron. This year it's kind of different because it's either KD or Giannis. Or maybe you still have LeBron. MVP just means you had the best season. But it doesn't mean you're the best player. Yep, That's it. But yeah, it's crazy, man. Yo, Derrick Rose wasn't even top five, top six then. And people think he'd be top 15 today. Oh no! Like top tw- top ten, top ten.
1: Yeah, I think top because most of the guys
0: in the top ten now, outside of Luca, are literally in their primes. Yeah, like they're in their prime. So
1: you know, I think he would be
0: top all we're I doing see. is taking that twenty-two-year-old Rose and slotting him in here. We're not taking into account development and nothing like that. We're just slotting that player into now. That's,
1: but that's the same thing in two thousand eleven. Chris Paul was kind of in his prime. LeBron was in it. D D, D Rose was the Luca at that point. You know, just coming in twenty-two years old. So uh, that's crazy. That's actually crazy. a rose reverse. That's crazy.
0: Chris Paul was was a dog. Facts. He was a dog. Now this other question: What will what will the final Ben Simmons deal be? So where do you think he ultimately gets traded to?
1: Nowhere. I think he stays.
0: You think he stays? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going with the Houston Rockets. Oh, I think the Houston Rockets are going to trade a combination of John Wall. Picks probably Jay Sean Tate or like a Kenyon Martin Jr., maybe Josh Christopher is in the deal. And I think they get Ben Simmons. Now the Rockets will have a lineup of Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Eric Gordon or Jay Sean Tate, Ben Simmons and Christian Wood. That's a really yep. good lineup. And I think they can sneak into the play in their mm. playoffs. It depends. But I think Houston and Ben Simmons would be a really good fit. Yeah, I really do. So, yeah, and that's gonna do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. This was episode 115. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. And if you want to, you can subscribe to our Patreon or via YouTube membership and get access to our Discord, an exclusive episode in topic suggestions and weekly qu- and weekly questions and all these other stuff, all these other perks. We really appreciate it. You know, you guys are what are what's keeping this podcast afloat. Hopefully one day we hope to do this full time. This is a full time gig and your support via a view, a subscription, a follow, a Patreon donation uh, goes a long way in helping us secure that one day. So thank you so much for your support. We'll see you next time and
2: peace. This is Andy Herman from the Packaday podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire podcast network bluewire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if we worked together today bluewire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes media professionals and passionate fans over the past few years bluewire has privately raised over 10 million dollars to expand their team their podcast network and business operations now they are raising another round on we WeFunder we is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. That's WeFunder.com slash BlueWire.